podcast here. It's a Sunday evening. Only two more weeks to Christmas. Two more weeks to Christmas. Maybe three. <sighs> oh, so getting there. <laughs> and the end of 2020. Uh, <laughs> uh, with, me, <laughs> with me tonight, we have one usual and uh, our special guest. Uh, we'll get I will get to shortly. Uh, so with me tonight is Peter Ray Allison. Good evening, everyone. And our special guest, uh, fantasy author, Katie Davis. Or is it Davies? Hello. Davies? Hi. It's, it's Davis. Davis. Yeah. Boreal Davis. Davis. Oh, I'm, I'm, I need to meet you on that one. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Sorry. It's no problem so at I can all. see you. We, we were just talking about accents before we, we came on and... Um, uh, how Northern Irish accents sound very harsh. <laughs> <laughs> vociferous. Oh, that's a good vociferous. word, like vociferous, yes, yeah. yes. Very, very I I I'm, I'm probably using it wrongly. Being um, that being I said, I, um, a, a lot of my Northern Irish friends think I've got quite a, what's the word, quite a, uh, a mellow accent now, um, because you have to sort of, when you live in England for 20 years that I've lived in England, you, you have to sort of, you, certain words you can't go it as you would say it normally you kind of go eight and you've got to sort of kind of pronounce things slightly differently because people don't understand what you're saying you know <laughs> so my you... kids don't understand me <laughs> i'm with you because my, my own children don't understand me um, <laughs> and they take the piss and they say mommy mommy who did you eat today because i must say i hate that i hate that <laughs> And like, oh, who did you eat, mummy? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're soft Midlanders. Yeah. Um, well, see, this is really? it. I, I know if I, I live in Manchester and I'm just kind of thinking, oh, I don't know if I could hack my kids having mank accents. All right, dad, nice one. Well, I'm like, no. Right. <laughs> right downtown. <laughs> yeah, it's the wrong accent. You're the wrong side of the Pennines, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, which is not your fault. <laughs> but the, so, you know, there's, there's no real rivalry between Northerners. Oh. <laughs> Who's coughing? Oh, <laughs> uh, the lights. Who, who was that? Right. Um, so, Katie, uh, or Katie, um, tell us who you are. What, what do you do? What's your thing? For people who don't know. Uh, that would be quite a lot of people, I imagine. <laughs> uh, I'm a, a fantasy author. I write, um, I, used to, I used to be um, a ghostwriter as well which means I write for other people. They get all the glory. I get a nice bag full of cash, um, which is good. Um, prior to being a fantasy author, I used to be a theatrical prop maker. Prior to being a theatrical prop maker, I was an actor. So basically, I've never done uh, an honest day's work in my life. Um, <laughs> um, no, I have, because obviously when you do any of these careers, you kind of, yeah, as Bradbury said, you know, um, uh, taking a vow of poverty. So I've done a lot of different jobs from scaffolder to, you know, just regular office waller as well. But um, yeah, my current persona is a uh, fantasy writer. And it's it's the one, I think it's the one you sort of end up last, you know, when your back's against the, the edge of the cliff and the wolves are closing in. It's like, okay, I, you know, this is it now. I've got to stick at this one. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Yeah. So... So, I also make it little short films and stuff as well. Wow! So there's there's many many uh, feathers to the proverbial cap then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that. Um, so, how 
well, so how did how did it how did the how did the book thing start? How did the fantasy author thing start? Obviously, you said you did ghostwriting before. Um, how, how does how does ghostwriting work? Do you have to like talk to them and then you write something for them after they've given you sort of the lowdown, or is it is it all fiction? <laughs> Um, well, I, I did write a novel, and it was my... I've always written all my life. Uh, I've always been a proper nerd. You, you know, if I was a stick of rock, you, you cut me in half, it would say nerd. Um, <laughs> proper, proper nerd. All, you know, swords, Star Wars, everything since I was a tiny egg creature. And I... Uh, so I've always written, and then I finally finished a novel and did all the good stuff, you know, touted it around the traditional agents and publishers, got really close but no cigar. And then I thought, oh, screw this for a game of soldiers. Um, but off the back of that, I got to know the writers and then another writer who needed, who'd done ghostwriting, knew somebody who wanted something ghostwriting. And then I, I did that and it did a good job. And then I got in with a, like an, almost like an agency and just got work through that. And it's very simple. In the, in the cases I've worked on, you get a brief, you get the original work if it's an ongoing series of books so you pick up the house style and the style of the writing you send a sample off if it works you're not really talking to the actual author particularly and it, there might be several authors writing under one name you write to brief you write it on time you send it away you get the money um and it was good and it's quite lucrative and it, it helped me to bankroll self-publishing um my own stuff you need you need some money to do it right, really. Um, so yeah, it's, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I started. I was writing in genres I never. I don't read necessarily, and I thought this is going to be a bit of a sell. But once you get into it, once you let yourself, it was actually uh, really enjoyable. So it's like, um, is it is it for like like for other people like biographies and things like that? Or is ghostwriting for pretty much everything? Anything? It is. I did tie in fiction. So it was not tie-in fiction. I did uh, fiction for people. So like one-offs. So they had a great idea, but they didn't want to write it themselves or they didn't feel confident enough. Sort of smaller projects. And then uh, I, I wrote um, some, some, a couple of things for quite a big writer um, or, or franchise, as it were. And that was, that was very good and really interesting. I learned a lot. Um, but then I, I kind of wanted to do my own stuff, so I didn't do many years of it although it's always there as a fallback i think um and you, you and the acting thing when when did that come in that was straight from school oh, right, okay. um pretty much I've, i finished sixth form started working didn't, didn't go to university straight away um or indeed at all i did my degree later in life at, with the ou because i did i only did a degree because i'd written um a fair few dissertations for friends and essays and i was doing quite well you know, over a whole spread of subjects, I thought, I could do this. Um, so, yeah, I did that later in life. But, yeah, from 18, I used to go to this place called the Bradford Playhouse, which is where the labour movement was started, just as a, for in, yeah, if you're interested. Um, and, um, yeah, I was there. And then a theatre company, a local theatre company, some of the guys who went there, somebody dropped out or died, nothing to do with me. <laughs> and uh, they said, we need an actor will you do it? Here's an equity card. And I went, okay. And sort of fell into uh, being a professional actor, which isn't as glamorous as you think. <laughs> so what did you do? For the majority. 
So what, so what, uh, what did you work on? When I was an actor? Yeah. Well, I worked at the uh, National Museum of Film Photography with their in-house uh, theatre company called Action Replay, which um, basically you get to run around a museum doing silly stuff and making plays up. And that, that was great fun. I worked at Tetley Brewery Wharf. Um, and this is the thing that keeps actors from starving to death in the gutter, like sickly rats, you know, because this is it's a <laughs> difficult job. So while you're auditioning for the real, the cool stuff that you, you, know, you rarely get, um, you do this sort of thing. And it was great fun. Uh, Tetley Brewery Wharf, pubs through the ages. So one minute you're a medieval nun in a brew, brew house, the next minute you're uh, a, a loose Georgian. And the sets were amazing, the costumes were amazing, the work was really hard, you have corporate parties coming around and their animals and then you have um school parties italian school parties and spanish school kids and they don't want to be there you don't want them there and they're just yeah it's hell and you're kind of trying to act and uh so but it's fun and uh and it uh yeah there was i can't there's some stories i can't even tell you were celebrity parties oh. i'll tell you <laughs> off camera okay <laughs> Oh my lord! Oh my lord! Oh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. So yeah, I'll tell you, man. Really, real and a real eye opener for this West Yorkshire girl. It was. Um, so yeah, and then uh, lots of theatre and education. Uh, some a B movie, a fantastic trauma B movie, oh, where I get to. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, I'm going to have to go on IMDb, aren't I? I don't even know if I'm on IMDb because, you know, I've done the whole name changey thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I get a machine gun. There are aliens. Uh, I get vampire fangs. It's, uh, um, I didn't do the nude scene. I kind of, a, a part of my brain went, this will come back to haunt you. Because <laughs> the director's like, I, well, this is where you get nude. Um, and I'm like, nah, nah, I don't think so, mate. Uh, <laughs> that ain't happening. My, my uh, sister, um, like she's she's an artist so but um she did some extra work for game of thrones when it was in northern ireland like pretty much everybody i know in northern ireland did game, <laughs> of, game of thrones pretty much you, you talk to any of my friends yeah yeah i was in it what well, my old drummer um if you saw a guy with a beard on a horse that was that was him you know pretty much if there was a guy with a beard it was him yeah at one point in time awesome. it was on a awesome. lot but my sister did um she did she had to fill out the form and um there was a part in it and it says, are you body confident at the bottom? And it pretty much says, are you willing to get your tits out effectively? And she was like, <laughs> and she was just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> she just yeah. it. And uh, she, she didn't have to, she was um, chicken feeding wench number one or something awesome. within, within Winterfell. And she's like throwing, throwing feed to chickens during in Winterfell in the second season, I think. So. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that was because in Yorkshire the equivalent is um, Emmerdale, and uh, it used to be was it the Bill? There were, there were a couple that you could extra for, yeah. and they were just like you know go tos. And I guess Game of Thrones for was it ten years they were filming it? Yeah, 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 that. yeah that must have been a bit of a go to for people in in Northern Ireland, I guess. You yeah. know, as a there's fair few as things, a fair few things in Northern Ireland they record. It's obviously quite cheap there. Um, and beautiful. It, it is a beautiful you know? place. Yes, it is. Mm. It, it, it is beautiful, full of of 
Uh, interesting people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> interesting yes, people. Yes, indeed. Yes. Um, yeah. yes, I was related by, by marriage to, to a fair few. Because, <laughs> uh, again, you know, good Catholics. Oh, many, right, okay. Many, many cousins. <laughs> many cousins. And rural, so no TV. You know, it's a huge family. <laughs> um, so, the, so you've always been a nerd, so that's where the fantasy thing came from um did it sort of kind of span from like do you play dungeons and dragons or anything or oh man yeah completely yeah i mean i was reading comics at six i, w- I started looking at um asterix uh comics oh, oh, good. before i could read english never mind french and then comics it was a uh, my local corner shop in um in shipley where i where i became sentient when i gained sentience um there was this rack by the door of of comics and it started and and obviously mr pringle who owned the shop gave no shits but he just stacked comics so he got he would buy random ones it'd be justice league it'd be dc it'd be marvel and then right into the top where i couldn't see that's where the porn mags were (laughs) so that in the shadows was the playboys and then it just worked down to like you know American comics, and then and it was like Dandy and Beano and, and uh, Commando and all that kind of stuff. And I and I just started reading them because they're easy, aren't they, for little kids? You know, there's more picture than word, and you get to make up the story yourself. And and I got hooked. And it was, I think, Justice League was the first one, and, and it was like you'd get like two episodes of a of a of a story, and then nothing. And then it was like ah. And there were no, this is, I'm very old. So this was before there were like proper big comic shops. So there was a stall in, in the market that, again, sold just like, they'd just get a job lot of American comics and you had to just kind of hunt and scavenge through them. And literally I must have been six, seven when I started reading comics and I just, it was a love at first sight. You know, absolutely. I've got a few of my current, I thought, just because, you know, the memory's not great. I've had, had a glass of wine. So mm-hmm. my current ones, I mean, not current, but the ones, some of my favourites. Oh, Saga. Yeah. Saga's fantastic. Love right. it, love it. This is a really old sort of a, a Electra. Oh, She's one of my faves. Frank Miller, is that? It is Miller, yeah. Uh, don't hold it against me. I just love it. You yeah, know? it's a good um, story. And this, these, this is, Bad I just I love. love. I've not read that one, actually. <gasps> She's been replaced, and she's been replaced in the series, hasn't she? I haven't watched it. I didn't watch it. I've nothing against uh, Ruby Rose. Is it Ruby Rose? Yeah, yeah. She, she's a she's a bit skinny. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I do always worry about these very slender girls. You know, picking, I'm not sure if she was uh, fired. Two guy. I'm not sure if she was, was she fired? fired. I think I think she's better. I think she might have been a bit of a nightmare to work with. Uh, I, I also I, heard. I, I think also she had like injuries as well. During that season, yeah. it's got to be a very physical role. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, maybe I'm completely wrong, but uh, yeah, I, but I, I haven't watched it because I love the comics, and um, I just I can't can't bring myself to watch it. Really, is there anything else you wouldn't watch because of the comics? Do you, do you, because of that? Do you sort of like for me with Game of Thrones? I read all the books, uh, and so reading watching the series, I was like that doesn't happen or what are they doing here? And I had to really turn myself off from it. Or do you do the same thing with the, when it comes to comics and comic book films? Um, I'm not bad actually, uh, because you'd just be, you'd just be crying all the time. With you. <laughs> you know, there are very few adaptations that you go, oh, yeah, you nailed it, you know, and, and also for a length of period as well. Cause it's, you might, you know, you might get a one director that just is spot on brilliant and everything works. And then you, you'll get a lemon and it'll be like, oh, no. It's like I loved um, um, 
the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. The first one. Yes. And then I think I spent a lot of the second one in the bar. And uh, and the third one is like I'm, it was was a lot better, but you know there were. You didn't like Helm's Deep. Oh, surfing elves, man! What can I say? <laughs> there are no there are no elves at Helm's Deep. I don't get butthurt about it. I'm not going to go online and go. And oh, you know, I really hate you. You know, I'm not that kind of person. But it's just like, nah, not for me. Aww. Really, you know, not for me. Surfing mm. elf. I appreciate they've got to make it commercial and they've got a. It's like a local pub. If you just let the locals sit at the bar, it kills your pub. So you can't pander to the diehard fans. You've got to broaden it to mm. make some money so that you can keep making things. I understand the business angle. So, no, I didn't. Not for me. I did watch it. I do have the box set and the deluxe and God knows what else editions downstairs. Um, <laughs> because you just do, don't you? But, um, yeah, it, some of the liberties taken were... Not my cup of tea. I, Did you watch the Hobbit trilogy? I, yeah. No. I didn't. I couldn't deal. I couldn't take the Hobbit trilogy. There were sort yeah. of like I loved Lord of the Rings and the films and um, like growing up on uh, Lord of the Rings. My father and my mum told me a story that on my on their first date, my dad had just got Lord of the Rings the book and proceeded to read it and on their <sighs> first on their first date. Um so, I love him. Yeah, he was He's a keeper. Yeah, so they they um they you know, Lord of the Rings has literally been ingrained in in my family from a very early age to the point where my mother, who's not into Lord of the Rings, who's from Oxford, <laughs> um she her 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 house is literally um a field away from where Tolkien is buried and like we used to go and see his his grave and all the little tokens and things people used to leave there oh. for him and stuff and, and she wasn't really that interested but the rest of us were completely zoned in on Lord of the Rings we watched the we read the books um we had the, the you know the early cartoon that came out um yes. film. that yeah. is very good actually yeah and then obviously when the films came out and like I was eighteen or nineteen, I think, when the the Lord of the Rings two thousand sort of when the when the film came out, and um, I I loved it. I and I I completely. I cried when I saw the first film. Oh yeah, sure. when, Bar- when Boromir died, I was in floods of oh. tears. My my dog's called Boromir, <laughs> just oh. like mine's called Bilbo. Ah, brilliant! One of one of my dogs. We've got three. One of them is called Bilbo. Yeah. Mine's called Boromir, and I can't watch that death now without kind of no. going to the dog going, oh, oh, oh. It's too soon. <laughs> yeah. still too soon. It really is. But, like, I, I you know, I, I clapped for the first one. And, you know, I, I yeah. was able to distance myself from it, maybe because it had been so long since I had read the books that it, it didn't bother me as much. And I knew that certain things weren't there. Um, it's like, you know, not having Tom Bombadil in it didn't bother me. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind that. Yeah, it didn't. Because yeah. it, it was just like, you know, it, that didn't bother me. Some of the other little bits and pieces um you weren't a massive issue for me they're being elves um you know at the time i was like there there aren't elves at helm's deep and then i was sort of kind of second guessing myself when i was watching it but it didn't bother it didn't bother me um and you know pelinor fields at the end the last bit you know and he says that's amazing yeah just some of the battle scenes were absolutely just yeah amazing and you know it it was just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing for me who'd just grown up in Lord of the Rings and having these absolute sure. shows come in. It was just like everything I ever wanted came in. Oh, it's I, magic. We yeah. always dreamed. We, we always used to say, oh, they'll never be able to make a Lord of the Rings. They'll never be able to do the Battle of Five Armies. They'll never be able to do these huge, yeah. obviously, like the hobby. Um, 
So when they did, it was like, whoa, you know, it was just mind blowing. And we, I remember to this day sitting in the cinema and we rushed around and we just got tickets and it was snowing and we, we got booze because it was a posh cinema. So we had booze and mince pies because it was it was around this time of year. And I was crying. I literally I was there were tears. And, and you know, I'm not a cryy type. And it was like, I had something in my eye. I was sitting there and, and it was Hobbiton and it was like, oh, oh. God, you know. I was, and our little girl, we, she, she got a boner for, for not literally, but um, she was, when she was little, she, she, we read her The Hobbit. We thought we'd start reading, you know, getting it into a system early. And then she made us read it to her over and over <laughs> and over again. So it's, it's a lot. And then, then she'd have friends over. And she would imprison them in her room and make them watch all three of the Lord of the Rings films. <laughs> and we're like, Raven, you've got to let your friends go home now. What no! a cool name for a child, Raven. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah my daughter is <laughs> called Raven and our son is called Gabriel because we're a pair of old goths. I know. <laughs> I know, Peter can... Re- I know, you can relate, man. Oh, fucking goths, eh? Yeah. <laughs> where, 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 my daughter was not called um, Ada based on a certain character from Resident Evil. <laughs> I thought it might be Loveless, you know, that whole Byronic well, connection. that's what Kaylee went with. Right. When it, when Kaylee suggested that, that name, I thought, yes, but it wasn't Loveless I was thinking of. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I was told my wife this a few years ago. Yeah, it, it was quite emotional. Um, I, uh, like, we used to do a thing where we'd watch it and then the next year, the special edition would come out. We'd watch the, we'd watch it. We'd watch all the commentary and stuff. Yes. And then we'd go and watch the film. And we did this for like three years in a row. And, you know, well, it was more than that because it was, you know, whenever it came out. And um, it was, it was such a big family event for us. My mum, yeah. my mum would come anyway and fall asleep through every single one. Uh, That's uh, what mums do. Yeah, just know, fall, fall asleep. We do these things. <laughs> and they go, yeah. oh, that was really good, mum. You were you were asleep for half of it. But, you know, yeah. the rest of us, you know, loved it. Um, with the, the Hobbit, um, it was something we did because, you know, it's the Hobbit and the whole family, we did it. Um, but I, as much as I didn't mind the fact that they expedited, not expedited, that they sort of elaborated on certain things, like, you know. They, they. Yeah, they really rolled that pastry yeah, out. Yeah, they, 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 they did. There were certain parts of it which I can understand and, you know, I, I, I liked. But in a ge- in general, oh, way too CGI heavy. Um, You know, the whole thing about the first one was yeah. like, it was all bigotures and it was all like tangible things, you know, and I love that. But this... Because it doesn't freak your brain out because your brain understands it's not real when when the brain is confronted by a, a tangible object um like like the bigotures and everything it we understand that it's real and it's yeah. sort of like okay we, we're seeing something real the cgi it your brain's going mm, this isn't quite right this isn't quite right and you're already in a in a weird state because you're looking at something through through a very small yeah. you're looking at things through a box and you're looking at the director's eye view so you are kind of in blinkers anyway to start with so that's where a good director good cinematography good effects work and they just weren't and so it's just you've just got this kind of it's like somebody tapping you on the back of the head all the time it's like get off you know and it, it throws you out of the fictive dream yeah. it throws you out of that fictional space that you want to just sink into so that's that's why it doesn't work yeah like the, the, the stuff with, the stuff with gandalf um 
you know, because he he sort of disappears in the. For, I haven't read the book in ages, but from what I remember, he sort of disappears, and then you don't really. He talks about the necromancer, and yeah. that's it, really. You don't really get a lot of sort of you know what's he doing, where's he being. So that you know them expanding on that, I didn't mind, but you didn't need three films, and yeah. it, it was just like you know, the Battle of Five Armies was a bit. Mm, you know, I didn't sort of, it didn't feel like the Battle of Five Armies. And I, I was a bit sort of, I was a bit disappointed about the Lake Town, uh, the Lake Town sort of um, yeah. guys. It, it was, didn't work. It was, it was, um, it was, it was not, it wasn't very Tolkien. No. It was something else. It was kind of like they were, they were just nasty and they, they weren't nasty in a Tolkien-esque kind of way. It was just. Yeah. It's just crappy. Yeah, you know, the place was crappy. Yeah. The characters were. It was too generic. Crappy. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't. It just wasn't talking. Maybe because time had moved on, and you know there was a sort of a bit of a backlash against that hokey, old-fashioned kind of thing. Yeah. They tried to sort of not sex it up, but make it a little, a little weirdly grittier. Um, I thought Luke yeah. Luke Evans was good as um, uh, what's his face, the uh, spear chucker. Was it Luke Evans? Dracula. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, play Bard. Bard. That's that's the badger. Bard. Yeah, Bard. Yeah. Um, um, it was good. Uh, I didn't like the comedy bad guy. Bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just yeah, I yeah, I didn't hate it, hate it, but it it just wasn't a it wasn't a um it just wasn't Com- a, yeah compared yeah. to what the Lord of the Rings achieved yeah yeah it and which to be fair is a very high bar yeah. But it just would know at nowhere near it. The whole bit, and just yeah, the too much happened that did not need to happen. Yeah, you see, I never mind emissions. It's additions that are usually yeah. the problem, because Shakespeare, all these kind of stuff. They, they are kind of they're entire units, you know. And if you're going with that, then go with that. Take bits out, to, but don't try and add bits in because it's a different. It's it's a different perspective, a different era, a different mindset. Mm. Um, and again, this is this is almost back to the the ghostwriting thing. You, you what you do as a ghostwriter, you try and match. You don't try and deviate. You don't try and add a little bit of flavor and spice because you get you know it's like no, don't do that. That's not what you're paid for. And I think if you're going to put additions in, you got to try and match it up a bit better than some people perhaps who thought they were you know auteurs <laughs> and added bits. And I'm not saying, you know, oh, Tolkien's a great writer or anything like this. And obviously, you know, he's, he's clearly great in some ways. Um, but it, that's that's what you're buying. So try and sell that product, not add your own little bit. Or do your own product. Mm. Mm. Um, Tolkien was very good at sort of, because a lot, of, a lot of his influence came from Anglo-Saxon sort of poetry and myth and and things language so language and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah everything sort of you know so elves were obviously creatures uh, norse um creatures and then you had they're all sort of come from different things so they you know the the dragon the, the dragon horde and stuff it's like it's out of beowulf effectively and um yeah beowulf's yeah. got a lot to answer for yeah <laughs> beowulf. and uh so yeah no you know, he is effectively the fu- the founder of high fantasy as it is, but you know, a lot of his work comes from mythology, effectively. So he's just sort of kind of taken and borrowed from a lot of places. Well, you do. I mean, yeah. nothing comes from nothing. Yeah, you know, we're always building on the shoulders of giants. You know, you you build upon what has gone before, 
and you, you give it your own your own spin, your own take, and uh, and your own lived experience forms that. Um, you know, to just try and recreate the same story up and again, that's that's like homeopathy. That doesn't work. It's not real. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I should. I should. I was thinking. Yeah, should I just pretend I'm some sort of like you know tinfoil hat wearer? But you know, I, I've probably got enough. Enough crazies. I don't really. I'm very boring. (laughs) Although, because again, the Tolkien thing, we live near Cannock Chase and he lived down the road. Literally, there's a blue plaque on a wall saying he lived here and he used to be on the chase where we take our dogs for a walk and and go horse riding and all that malarkey. I I went on a pub crawl, uh, the Otley Run, I think it is, and he... I'm pretty sure he used to go into one of the pubs in there because they've got like some Tolkien stuff on the wall. In Otley? In Otley. On the Otley run. North, lad. That, yeah. that Otley. Yeah, Otley. You know, Leeds. Leeds. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah Leeds. Because uh, I'm pretty sure there's a pub in there uh, or one in, in one of the many pubs you go on on the, on the Otley run. Uh, yeah, and it's got some, you know, there's some Lord of the Rings, well, Tolkien stuff because, you know, he used to, drink in there apparently but yeah probably there's the talking trail and i think it goes all over the, sort of the length and breadth of this these aisles um i think stafford in staffordshire is the only place that doesn't really try and big it up um it's, it's apparently the creative county but you you would none of that actually makes it to the council um but i'd be set <laughs> i'd be said they were they do have a, the occasional exhibition and they had like his writings and some drawings and stuff at one of the world war one huts that they've recreated where the soldiers were billeted mm-hmm. um but they don't really big up the connection here obviously i've been to the uh the um the eagle and child i can't remember what the locals call it but it's not the eagle and child in oxford to see and i started you know licking the walls see if i could you know <laughs> imbibe any of that talking-esque kind of thing to help me with my writing yeah. Uh, but I just got a bit of a drinking habit instead. So. <laughs> it does have this sort of like, for me, Oxford, you know, growing up as a child, um, you know, one, you know, for some reason, it was always sunny when I went to Oxford, for, you know, we, one, because it was always kind of in the summer when we'd go, but it was always a sunny Fair place. Enough. And um, it was just because like my my mum would tell me or my father would say, you know, this is where Tolkien comes from. This is the guy who writes all the books that you like and stuff. And, you know, for me, it was just like ma- this magical place. And it added to the fact that it's like, you know, we go there and my grandfather would tell me about all his World War II stories about being the RAF. And then yeah. there was all the added stuff from uh, the Tolkien and then going to see his grave. And we'd do it every time we would go and visit his grave. Every time we went to Oxford, we'd go like religiously to see, to see it. And, um, you know, I, we'd read the book and it just had this sort of feeling, this sort of, it just, it kind of unreal. And it's like, when I think about Oxford and I think about the time I spent there, it, it doesn't feel real and in a weird way, simply because there's all that sort of kind of, you know, childhood fantasy going on at the time. And, um, yeah. yeah, so I just, you know, fond memories. For me, it was, uh, it was the Brontes. So they're a, oh, yes. a, a reasonably famous uh, writing trio yep. um, from Yorkshire and uh, just up the road. So growing up, it was it, there was a lot about the Bronte sisters and the Moors and Wuthering Heights and all that kind of stuff. And then I ended up working at, the par- again, acting at the Parsonage in Howarth as a Bronte <laughs> sister. Oh, wow. So I was, uh, I was the cool one. I was Emily. And I used to sit in her window... And that was like freaked me out because as a kid, we, my mum would, you know, it's the place you were taken. Let's go to Howarth. 
have, have some chips, go around the parsonage and come home. And then I was working there and I was sitting in her room wearing a similar frock in the window with the book and freaking people out because there'd be people plodding up the hill going to work and they'd be like doing this weird double take. Um, what they didn't know was the Bronte sisters were, you know, some of the Bronte sisters would sneak off to the moors for a a, uh, a spliff, I'm not going to lie, every now and then. Just a wee smoky. Because I was, I was young. I was young and stupid. I thought you were talking yeah, about that's... the actual Bronte sisters. I thought. You'd... I, yeah. I bet they would have done if they could. I bet Emily would have been a proper stoner if yeah. she could have been, um, and and she would have probably run away to go live in Berlin or something. I think uh, uh, had she lived in this modern day and age. Did you um, run away to Berlin? We never know. I mean, they all had the Lord in them, didn't they? They all had the the opium and the uh, and the the heroin. <laughs> And all these kind of uh, tinctures, as they were called. So they probably did far harder than a bit of weed that, you know, the lad down the pub sold you. <laughs> I was chatting to um, one of the actors that plays uh, one of the one of the dwarves in The Hobbit. Um, he also played uh, the Sender Killers in Preacher. That, uh, oh, oh um, yeah, the... Graham uh, McTavish. Yes, Graham yes, McTavish. Yes, yes. And he was playing... This I can't one of the dwarfs uh, in the Hobbit, and he had like who had two axes. Oh, what's um, his name? Uh, I'm gonna go through all the names. They had the dwarfs now. Bomba. Bomba. No, it's up. No, no. Bifur, Bifur, Bomba. Feely, Keely, Bifur, Bifur, Bomba. Ah, it's gonna annoy me. But now. yeah, busy. He was bald with uh, two axes. Right. But he said, like, you know, um, he was like talking with the directors and said, like, you know, these axes should be inscribed or something. And said, I know Emily Bronte had two dogs, didn't she? Called Gripper and Biter. Yeah. Uh, and, like... and so basically, he had those. In, and the next day, Keeper. he came back. Keeper. 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 One of the dogs. Ke- Keeper and Gripper. And he said, and he came back the next day and found those, those had been engraved on both of his axes. Uh, that's nice. That's go. a nice thing. Oh. So Emily Bronte and... and um, Dwalin. He played Dwalin. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> he played Dwalin. Yeah, speaking to him back in 2014. And yes, yeah, so like... <laughs> well done. Yeah. So yeah, so like, you know, it's a nice little connection between uh, Tolkien and uh, Bronte's. Yeah, that is, that's not one... That's a good quiz question. <laughs> speaking of... Um, oh, you know, you, you may... Um, we were on about what were we talking about Game of Thrones to start with? Yeah, I've sort of met George Martin a couple of times. Sort of, sort of, because I was I was went, uh, at this convention. It was in London. I don't think it was a World Con, but it was on. There's this place called Bath Road where all the conventions are held. It's all the hotels for the airport, so it's kind of like this weird liminal place. Uh, and we were there, and I uh, it was a family event, so me, my husband, and my kids went. And I was selling. I used to do the theatrical props, so I. I was selling off a load of leather masks that I used to make. Nothing kinky. Uh, they're just, you know, uh, theatrical masks. And I had my stall here, and George was doing a signing right there. So I bumped into him outside because he had a, a box full of books. Because uh, even then, it was quite early on in, in the run, but he was still schlepping his own books around. And, uh, and I thought, it looks like a mountain dwarf. Which for me is a cool, but that's a really cool thing, you know, because I love it when people look like, and he's just like this stocky guy with the hat and the braces, and he's like, wow, he just looks like a mountain dwarf. 
and my husband's like, shut up. Um, and then my husband's a big American football fan. So he's a nerd, but he's not into the book side particularly, apart from as, as my other half kind of deal. I mean, he's, he does read fantasy and stuff, but he more war games and online games and stuff. Yeah. And uh, and he, But he's a big American football fan, so he knew George Martin. So he's like, so George, what do you think about the Jets? So they were having a little natter about American football, and I'm just thinking, George Martin is talking to... <laughs> And we've got this brilliant picture of our daughter sitting in the Iron Throne because they had the Iron Throne in the lobby. And she didn't have one clue who was because she was quite little. So I was working at a stall and then she bought a copy of uh, A Game of Thrones. And we were sitting in the bar. And we had some seats and Raven was sitting opposite us and she started reading it. And she's oblivious. She's just a little kid. And uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky came in. And obviously we, we know Adrian. <laughs> I know, I know. It's it's very incestuous to get that Yorkshire mafia thing. Going <laughs> um, but we know we've known Adrian for a long time through LARP, uh, first and foremost. And so we stood up to talk to Adrian, and this little old couple just kind of come in and slide into our seats. And I'm thinking cheeky buggers. Uh, but it was George Martin and Lisa Tuttle, so you you can't say, oh, excuse me. Um, but the funny thing was, there was George Martin was just sitting opposite, and our daughter was just like head down in Game of Thrones, sitting about three feet away from her, and it was just the funniest thing. And I didn't I didn't tell her, and she didn't know. And then, like, she finished the book and went, it's amazing, it's amazing. I said, yeah, do you remember when you were sitting in the bar? You were sitting next to the you know, the writer. And she's like, no! Uh. But um, so I haven't read the books. I haven't, I haven't wow. read... Uh, I read the prologue, and it didn't totally grab me, but I thought, ooh, that's a lot of book that isn't finished yet. So I'll wait until he finishes it before I, yeah, he's never, it's like a marriage, you know, if you yeah. commit to, to those huge books, yeah. that's a lot of book. Well, that's, know? that's the, the sort of issue. A lot of the fans have, um, he, he takes so long. Now I was lucky because I, you know, I, I hadn't heard, um, I've heard of him, but not read the books, um, until my sister turned around to me and went, so they're, they're filming a thing called game of Thrones in our back garden. A pre- huh. pretty much like literally that field over there they're gonna have a battle in and stuff wow. you know you should you should read it and i was just like yeah i'll have a look into it uh and i bought the first book and i read it within like a, you know four days or something i think i just hammered it right and went, yeah. right that that's pretty damn good and then i bought the rest of them and then i was on holiday for two weeks and i read all of them in two weeks literally just did not wow. leave the pole side and just hammered them and that's uh amazing. I, it was just like this. This is so amazing, and then I says, "I have to wait for well, that, what was the last one? That Dance of Dragons was two thousand and four, two thousand and fourteen, thirteen, two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, something like that." And he still hasn't written Winds of Winter, and then there's Song of Summer that's going to come out, and I don't think he's going to do it, and that's upsetting because you've got this point that you just need the end, you know. You need, I do know. I know. Yeah. And yeah. You're, I can, you I can might relate. not get it, and I, like he'll get the winds of winter out eventually. But he's. I don't. Just don't know if, if there's enough time, especially in his advanced he's not age. Not that old. Yeah. What age he's is he? Not it? that old, really. <laughs> you know, he's not as old. I don't think he's as old as the president of the United States of America. Get that. Get your head around that one. Which one? The fraud or Biden. the? Uh, Biden. Okay, yeah. Okay. He's, I don't think he's he's anywhere near seventy-eight. Is he? I don't. I don't know. But I just hope yeah. it, you know it takes. I think you will. You know, six, there's six a lot of years. pressure. Yeah, there is. I, I mean, there is. Even as as me as a small, small, small author. So I wrote three books, and uh, they did very well. The, the the breed books. 
Oh yeah, they're fantastic. And uh, and I thought that's it. Now I'm done. First person narrative. I'm sick of hearing this voice in my head. And uh, I thought it was over. So it had a nice. I left the door open. Um, and then more ideas. But what happens is people you get on release. People read it within uh, three days. I think it was. And then you just get email after email going. What happens next? What mm. happens next? What happens? And it, and you feel the pressure. And this is me, just tiny, tiny little author me. And I got a few hundred emails after the launch of the last book and they were within a few days so this is like after a launch of a book it's sort of wonderful and like exhausting because you just got so many emails to answer and I answer them all myself because obviously it's a few hundred um and a lot of people are like how how could you do this it ended on a cliffhanger and it the story is complete but there is a little issue because it just that's just how it happens yeah. it's just it's just how it comes to you is how it comes to you and even me pissant author that I am you feel this weight of pressure on you you know so for him the, the weight of pressure from um fans and and I say fans some some of these fans just seem like they like things well that's you know, just I, that's just geek culture for you there's so many there's it's so vile sometimes that you kind of or you're ashamed to be a part of it um some people yeah that, absolutely man you know absolutely. the 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 irony of it is that this these same people who probably struggled in school like you know like like any of us did uh getting picked on for being into the things we are oh god uh, yeah and they yes. are the ones who do the same thing um you know now because i don't know you can go either way man you can be you can if you kick a dog enough it'll either bite you or it'll It'll, you know it'll curl up and i think a lot of nerdy types like us you know didn't fit into the the cookie cutter mold that all kids are supposed to conform to and uh, and you're you're the weirdo you're the outcast and yeah. also no offense but i was a, i was like a fucking unicorn you know <laughs> i i mean as swords i'm into wargaming i'm into comics I, you know, I, yeah. it's, it's, it's. Your a, husband's a landed on his feet then, basically. He's so. a lucky, lucky man. And I'm telling this every day, every day. Cause you, but you know what? I was very unlucky because growing up, my friends had girlfriends and obviously people like me are quite rare, much rarer back then. Like I say, a unicorn. So they'd go out with the pretty girls and stuff and we'd go out on nights out or, you know, around to somebody's house. And I got dumped with the girlfriends because it's like, just talk to them, will you? You know, because they just wanted to bump uglies and, you know, smell the nice biscuity hair and stuff. <laughs> uh, but they didn't have anything in common. So I had to be this bridge between my friends and their fucking girlfriends. You know, no offense, but I just got lumbered. And then I'd be sitting there with these girls and they'd be going, I hate all these little men. They're so boring. It's really stupid. I don't know why he does it. Oh, his friends are so sad. And I'm sitting there going, I am one of them. <laughs> so, Yeah. I uh, yeah. I I tend That's a little and, rant there, wasn't well, it? This thing is, I'm share I, with the group. I've I seldom go out with nerds, and I don't know why. It's not like I don't, you know, I, I've I've always actively looked for you know geeks to date, but I always end up with um people who have no interest in the things that I'm into. Partially maybe because opposites attract, I guess. It's um, a humble brag, Conan. Man, I only end up with models. I don't know. No, what no, it is. no. Well, my, my, my girlfriend is a, an Instagram influencer, but you know. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is a humble brag. Yes, no, no. But I'm just saying, like, I, I, I don't know if it's a. It's probably me because I like I like a, a hard life. 
<laughs> I like a hard life. It's like me and my brother are useless. Oh, well, baby. Yeah, it's just like we're useless when it comes to sort of, we, we can't go for the, the normal sort of girl who's into everything we like and does things like, you know, is happy to sort of kind of, to, you know, it's completely perfect. We want somebody who's going to challenge us, who's going to make us cry, who's just going to sort of generally give us a hard life because it's like, it's like fighting. It's like, it's like playing one of the war games, which we religiously play every Christmas. You know, if it's not 14 hours long and ends in tears, then it's not a good game. And it's the same. Ah, Battletech. <laughs> I, I used to play Battletech. But I will say this, I am happily married to Kalia and she can quote Tolkien. Oh. Yes, yeah, you see, you, you, you struck lucky as well, didn't you? I was, you got, yeah. You I'm... got a geek and a goth and, you know, Yeah, scientist. they do exist, they do exist, trust me. And yeah, yeah so that's why I married one. <laughs> um... I had no, I didn't have a shortage of, of, of offers from the games club. Uh, you know, <laughs> what you used to go to. That, that is for sure. Uh, really. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, you see, unicorns are very rare, you see, so it's, it's hard. That being said, you know... Getting less rare. Getting less rare. I think I will, yeah, I good, mean, that is a good thing about sort of kind of, I suppose, like with social media and stuff, like the whole geek culture thing is a lot more sort of... It... Well, I, I will say this. I'm I'm watching The Mandalorian with my with, with two of my kids, and they love it. They love, they yeah. love, the, they love the Star Wars uh, series more than the films. Uh, they, they, they think the Rebels is fantastic. They love the Mandalorian. We'll sit down religious every weekend and watch an episode together. I love the Mandalorian. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. So, Stormtrooper armor, what's the fucking point? Why? What, why? why? <laughs> It's like it's like you've got Beskar, which literally is invulnerable, and then you've got Stormtrooper armor, rare. which literally rare, gets man. you know you can literally it's armor pit rocks can go through that shit, and it's just like what's the point of wearing that? It's just like it's the most pointless thing cool. in Star Wars. It looks cool. It's, it's completely yeah. impractical, and it, it's just like you know sort it of looks cool. <laughs> you know, Boba Fett can run around. Oh, sorry, <laughs> super spoilers if anybody I'll hasn't watched The Mandalorian yet. So. I'm only on the first series, by the way. It took me a long time to go and get Disney Plus. All right, okay, right. Well, I'll I'll leave that oh. then. I just throw it's in. Nay. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of expecting it. Yeah. Um, but the best cars rare, and also bearing in mind the stormtroopers—they lost, you know. So there's something in the the armory shit. Well, yeah, and you lost. They're just not very good. <laughs> Really? Yeah, the only, no, it's, but uh... it's one of my pet peeves. It's one of my sort of sci-fi pet peeves. It's like, you know, I armor. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's one they can't shoot, so they have this thing, you know, it's like the you know only imperial imperial blasters are so accurate. You know, when they're talking about the Jawas crawler thing, you know, that's how accurate their blasters are. Then yeah, they can't yeah, they yeah. can't shoot. You know, you could argue that they don't like shit. There's a whole there's a thesis on the fact that stormtroopers, um, actually intentionally don't shoot because um on target because their their face they can see the faces of these people when it's a a faceless sort of automaton in armor it's easier to kill them whereas if it's actual a person then you know it, it puts a face and a personality therefore they they don't shoot so i could buy into that very you know slightly but you can you can justify it yeah for yeah. sure i mean also bearing in mind stormtroopers uh they are galactic so it's not they're not it's just not not one army versus one army on one planet. Yeah. They're out there. They're conquering mud people. They're conquering, um, you know, amoeba people. So they are, the, uh, most of the planets, if you look at some of the subsidiary books, most of the planets they go to are like primitive life forms, yeah. primitive 
uh, races of people, they don't need ablative, you know, laser uh, uh, reflective armor. It's only when they come a- across their elite enemies that they get their asses kicked. Yeah, but it's, it's a, a s- rationalization. But you would think, sort of, you know, there's only been one instance in a, in Star Wars film that i've seen where a blaster has bounced off their armor and that's in the rise of the um the rise of skywalker when one of the sith the sith troopers gets shot and it sort of kind of pings and he he carries on whereas everybody else it doesn't matter where they get shot they just die it's just like shot in the arm dead shot shot in the leg dead you know it's just sort of and it annoys me it's just it's so annoying it's 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 like a hydrostatic shock you get from a bullet you can die if you get shot in the arm with a bullet yeah hydrostatic yeah. Shock. i just i just don't buy it and i kind of feel like you know it's a, you know if i if i um a if i was the rebel forces um and this is kind of why i love um i love um rogue one so much because it's a bit more real but if i was a sort of you know, a, a rebel, I would want my enemy to be good. I wouldn't want them to be blithering fools who can't shoot and die when you get tapped with a rock. I, you know, I can't brag about that. I can't brag about, you know, I destroyed a legion of stormtroopers. Yeah, well, they're 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 glorified paper men who yeah, can't shoot and, you know... But then we were talking about um, 10 minutes ago about realism in Tolkien and how it didn't fit. Now, with Star Wars, Star Wars is space opera. It is hyper fantasy. It's kids. Well, I think it's for kids. you're trying to apply realism to something that isn't real. I mean, just as a, just like we're talking about Tolkien, we're trying to apply realism to um, Tent Town. And. I, feel, I understand that and I, it's me as an adult you know as a child I didn't give a flying fuck it didn't yeah. matter you know I, I didn't care you know I thought Ewoks were amazing even though Ewoks are ridiculous they're nearly as no. ridiculous oh. as, as, as you know people moan about Gungans but like they're effectively the Ewoks of you know oh. that generation and stuff and it's just like they're ridiculous they're teddy bears and they, they, they destroyed one of their elite regiments on, on, on Endor and it's just like you know at the time you don't care but then but, you could draw analogies with Vietnam and, and the US um, US Army in there and how they yeah, were decimated. That, that, having done a military history degree, there's very much a, there's a big difference between sort of hit and run um, guerrilla tactics um, in you know a prolonged war. And are you but, trying to apply um, military history? to a science fiction film you brought it up you brought it up <laughs> you brought it up and i tell you what i tell you what the americans whenever they had a pitch battle with the nva they won so pretty much there's no there you know when there was a pitch battle so technically the empire should have beaten the Ewoks because that's how it works but you know if it was like you know you saw them coming in and they were sort of throwing rocks at them every now and again and destroying their supply lines and things then i could buy into that but you know that is that is definitely an opinion. Very <laughs> <laughs> diplomatic. Yeah, I, yeah, I, it's, yeah. It's just one of those things. I like, I like my bad guys to be formidable. I don't want sort of like you know easy pushovers and stuff like that. It doesn't sort of, you know, when I play a game or and I do something, I don't want that. I don't want an easy ride. Again, maybe back to the girlfriend thing as well. I don't want sort of. I wanted. I want them to be formidable. I want them to be strong and stuff like. I like strong women, you know, and I like strong enemies and stuff. So it's like if I play, like I play Warhammer forty k and I do tournaments and stuff. And if I win a game really easily, I feel cheated. I feel I. I feel bad for the guy I've beaten, and I feel cheated myself because I haven't had a good game. If I if. You need to you need to up the stakes. Like you know, if if I win, 
I get the you know the tip of your little finger if you win. <laughs> you need to juice it up a little, man. Um, Maybe that's what it is. My yeah. my my other half plays War Machine, um, which is it's kind of like it's like it's like Warhammer on steroids. It's, With cards, it's really, yeah. It's really hard. It's really complicated, and um, and and yeah, it's uh, there. It's it's pretty brutal, isn't it, love? Man. War machine, <laughs> hard, brutal. It's a brutal game. Yeah, sorry, he's got his headphones on. Um, no, but I know what you mean. I know, I, I do know what you mean. Um, but it, it came from an innocent age, though. Empire yeah. as well. You know, it's it's a, it's it's one of those foundation stones of these sort of things. And uh, it, it 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 was it wasn't particularly gritty. Cause Star Wars isn't. It's not gritty. You know, you don't see people getting eviscerated. It's all about the relationships and the characters. And it was, it was this Empire. I mean, I saw Empire about, God, I think I saw it. The, the most I've watched it was 14 times wow. in every, yeah, every night. I just watched it. Just had a, a bit of a loop thing. Uh, there was a period I knew absolutely everything about the Star Wars franchise. And then it, then I lost interest with the, with the second bunch of, with a bunch of films. Yeah. The, the younglings and stuff. I just kind of like, ah, not for me. And uh, all that, yeah, it was only the Mandalorian. I liked Solo. I enjoyed Solo. Yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, Underrated. I really liked it, yeah. And I and I liked, I thought Rogue One was okay. There were plot inconsistencies. It looked like <sighs> editing had been done to Rogue One. There were, oh, yeah. there were inconsistencies. You know, and obviously, lots I, was, yeah, lots of it was remade. And also, yeah, yeah, and that showed. No, nothing in the trailer actually appeared in the finished film there were there were gaps there were there were gaps yeah. and there was style over substance we call it in 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 our little mate marsh and we call it dog in a box so um one of the writing groups went to this lady who was going she had a dog put in a box so the family could open the box and then the, the guy run run the uh peter colborn said surely the dog would have just walked and she went, well, yes, but I just wanted the family, I wanted this visual of, of to see the dog in the box. So when there's something that's just purely for visual sake, like, let's not die here, let's die on the beach with the sunset behind us. Stuff like that just really um, jumped me. A story, a film and a book or anything like that, they're like a record, and you want to be in the music. And anything that bounces you out of the groove, like, why are they doing that? That's inconsistent. Or what, what, what's with doing that on that tower there? The technology doesn't seem to work. Just bounced me out of Rogue, whereas Solo is a good adventure. It yeah. keeps it kind of low-key, low-tech, and it's an adventure in the vein of Star Wars, whereas The Mandalorian is in the vein of the originals. It's, it's not about the tech or the... Um, the effects, or you know, and the the gritty realism, although it's got that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I prefer Solo to Rogue One. Uh, I'd say I, Rogue One was more of a because it, it, it was more like a war film to me, like an old school yeah, war film, and definitely it was like an old definitely. school war film. And growing up in like old world, you know, old school war films and cowboy movies and stuff, um, I you know I loved it. So it for me it was just it was ideal. Like it was just sort of, and you know I've said this yeah. pretty much yeah. every every podcast we've had where we've got somebody else who's talking about Star Wars. I've said this, but it's like my main sort of thing I loved about Rogue One was the fact that it had a darker edge to the rebellion. It's like it didn't make this sort of you know I, I like this sort of this 
Oh, what's the word? Is it nuance? Uh, well, it's not realism. It's more the fact that sort of you have a you know you have a rebellion which is portrayed as whiter than white, and it is is the is the greater good within the, the society. There's no darkness to it, and it, in Rogue One, it gave it a dark edge. You know, they did things that were bad. They did stuff that they were proud of. And, you know, Cassian says it. And I like that. I like the fact that it gave them an edge. You know, it made them maybe mm. not as sort of white as white as they're sort of kind of portrayed. I love that. I thought it was really good. And I thought it was great yeah. that there was no Jedis in it other than the awesome Darth Vader part at the end. You know. That is awesome. Yeah. That but is I'll, I'll really say that good. we, the Jedi in it aren't in it, but the Force is. Uh, <laughs> well, it's not that there's... Um, she did it. What's his name? Um, the that I am the, one with the, the force. Bl- the force is with me. Thank you. The, the blind man with yeah. the staff, and he has no force powers, but he believes in the force. Yeah, it's it, yeah, but I don't think it sort of in I. It's his belief, but it's sort of kind yeah. of going along the lines of you know religious belief, and, and you know, yes, it, it doesn't. It might not have. I don't know if the force have helped him. I don't think it sort of infers exactly, that. and that is and that is when the film works best. Is when it makes you question: Is that the force doing, or is that just random luck? Yeah, that I th- you know I took it as luck, and he just believed in it, and yeah. just sort of kind of went with it, and that's you know. So, but that's what I loved about it. I thought it was you know as a war film, it was just and that Darth Vader scene at the end was sick, and it's like just one of the best yeah. things. It was just like when his lightsaber comes on, and you're just like, holy shit, that is just amazing. And I, th- you know, seeing Grand Moff Tarkin again, seeing even seeing Leia, I didn't, I didn't, you know, th- I didn't have the issue with her having a bit of CGI. I thought it was really good. You know? I think her and Tarkin, they didn't, they they were, it was really good, and the text got a got to start somewhere, hasn't it? Yeah. And I think they were very good attempts. Yeah. Well, it wasn't Peter Cushion and it wasn't Carrie Fisher. Yeah, yeah. There's some weird ghost creations. Uh, very, uh, very Clive Barker. In a, in a actually, one thing I really stuff. liked about Solo is Donald Glover as um, Landel Calrissian. He, I mean, really, he should have gotten a film out of that. Definitely. He just nailed just that scene where he goes, "Everything you've heard about me is true." Just the mannerisms, the sheer pure clock. Yeah. The, the confidence, yeah. the I, confidence. Solo did. got such a bad rap, and you yeah. know, I I went to see it yeah. the four D thing where it's sort of like the chairs and shit move, and I was just like, yeah, I love that. It was such a good romp. It was just sort of yeah, you know, it was a romp. Yeah, it, was it, was. A romp. it was a good adventure film. A heist. Um, it was basically a heist film. Yeah. yeah, and I thought, yeah. and at the bit at the end with Darth Maul and stuff, it's just sort of you know. You know, I thought it was such a good sort of kind of it tied in with the Rebels. It tied yeah, in with it, Rebels. It, it was great if you had watched Rebels and Clone Wars. If you hadn't watched any of that, you were going, but he's dead. <laughs> and, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, on the one, I mean, as a Master Star Wars nerd, I thought, that's great. But then I'm thinking, mm, come on, it's... Yeah, I mean, I'm in two minds about it, to be honest. I just find it's could have been done better. As as we've, you know, we're just making this a, a bit of a tradition now because everybody who comes on is obviously a nerd and they have a, a view on Star Wars. So what's your view on the, the recent three? Me? Yeah. Uh, they're not made for me. They're made for kids of this generation. Oh, and uh, may, they, may they go in peace. So you didn't like um, them then? <laughs> they were... I liked the nods. I liked the nods to the past. I liked the oh look, she's in a she's in a foot, and that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, they're not they're not made for me. They're made for kids 
to get that sense of wonder for this generation. So as much as when my children are telling me what's dank and peak and <laughs> prime and, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever. And Gabe's like, yeah, I just got 7-2 in a siege game. I'm like, oh, is that a good thing? You know, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's not, it's not for me. Um, the Luke I saw in these films was not my Luke. Yeah. You know, it was somebody else's Luke. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't, yeah. So not, not for me, but great. I'm glad they exist. I'm glad they speak to a generation. That's, that's all wonderful. It's all, all good, ner- all nerd stuff is good. You know, it's all, anything that gives kids something to dream about, anything that gives <laughs> the disaffected, the, the weirdo, the outliers, a place to belong, uh, a world to inhabit. Because it did me. I mean, I made, I made my own lightsaber. I got bits of old TVs and stuff and old monitors, and I made a cockpit in my bedroom, much to the chagrin of my dad, because it was his house, and he was like, "What the hell are you doing?" <laughs> I made a blaster. I made out of bits of wood because my dad had a shed, and obviously, cause, you know, and uh, I had my own tools. So I made it, and I had no money. So I made I made my own blaster like uh, like Hans and I made I made a I'm so proud of this because I do leather work as well I think this is probably the first leather work I did I took an old satchel and I cut it up and I made a Carillion um, holster with the blood stripes nice. and they were the neatest blood so I masked off and everything you know man I was so proud and I was on you know in my head I was there I was a character in those worlds and if kids these days can do that great fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to think of that's a way good, good way to sort of um have a view on it because there's some very strong strong views on it especially people of my age well our age um and you know it can get quite what's the word visceral quite sort of yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and you know it's I, passion it's all born from it, passion it and is love, I, but love and passion can get a little bit um iago you know the old Othello sort of thing. Yeah. It, it, can, it can kill. You know. Yeah. I, you kill the thing you love. Well, that's that. And I, 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 you know, when I've said this before, it's just like I never saw the butt hurt on um, the original. The the pre, it's not the original. The uh, the prequels, and I enjoyed them. It annoyed you know everybody who was so down on them. You know, Jar Jar Binks. He wasn't a great character. Anakin was a bit shit as well. But as films, they were for their age. And, you know, it has some of the best lightsaber battles you've got in some of the films. You know, they are really, you know, they are really good and they were pushing that forward. And George Lucas got so... Parks is without doubt a very talented uh, Yeah, big time. Yeah, Yeah, Um, And I love the fact that he can still do the moves 20 years later. Oh, yeah, screw him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I play play with swords. I'm hoping Santa Claus is going to bring me a a, uh, a fight-worthy lightsaber this year um so i i do like all that kind of stuff but I've you know got... i can just stand up and pull a muscle these days so <laughs> i've got but for some... him to be doing flips and shit have you seen the silver sabers uh, lightsaber academies yeah yeah, yeah obviously i've been uh you know, conven- no, i've been to conventions and seen them out there and thought, yeah i could do that because i did kendo for about eight years wow. so obviously the principles yeah, um, I didn't like um, Shaolin Kung Fu, where we do the Scholar Sword, and that is because I mean, he's some of the moves that reflected in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I keep thinking, so where's the Silver Sabers Academy um, opening up in Derby, <laughs> Nottingham area? Because I'll be so up for that. Yeah, I think there's some group in Brum. I don't know which one it is, but I think yeah, they're definitely they are one in gradually Brum. moving up the country. Yeah, yeah. Every single day, like those branches are opening up, and I keep coming further, coming yeah, further. Yeah, yeah. 
50 miles north and I'm there. I've got um I've got some adaptable lightsabers from Saberforge um in America. I've got a Kickstarter and um you can literally take every little part of them apart and make new ones out of sort of different ones. So I've got loads of these ones. Like I brought it, when we went to Games Expo that time, Pete. I made a, yeah. I made a, I made a, a, a lightsaber staff out of out of that. that was cool. Out of three of them, you know, it's got, they're all leather bound and stuff like that. And they're proper nice stunt. There's one. proper stunt sabers. So like that, you know. Yeah, you that's can, what I want. Yeah, stunt sabers. Um, and you know they're quite heavy. So trying to do trick. Now I was trying to teach myself how to do some of the spins and stuff. <laughs> I was like, yeah, clattering myself on the head and things. But you know they they're cool. They're they're very I've- cool. <laughs> Again, I've, I've played with swords and reenactments since I was about 17. I yeah. started, so I've been playing with swords for a very long time and various weapons, bows, swords, cannons, done mounted uh, skill at arms and all this kind of stuff. So anything that, that is potential you can hit somebody with, you know, throwing axes, throwing knives. Uh, so I am really looking forward to what Santa Claus is bringing me. <laughs> yeah. Are you a, a sort of get? Here's a list of things, or surprise me, sort of girl. Uh, surprise me. Well, really, normally it's like oh, I don't care. You know, normally I don't care. But the, and but then it pisses people off, and it's like you're not being helpful by doing that. Because um, <laughs> my job is to do Christmas. You know, as everyone knows, Mom does Christmas. You know, you you are the organizer. You are the general. Um, so it's my job to, to get everybody's Christmas present. So I don't really get, and I've got what I want. You know, I don't want stuff necessarily. Um, although if someone were to bring me a nice collectible Wonder Woman figure <laughs> to, put in the, to put in the cabinet next to my Batwoman, that wouldn't hurt. But no, I, I don't have a list normally. Normally I don't bother. But this year I thought, all right, I'll give everybody a break and I'll, I'll put things out there so that they, you know, can get me something. So yeah, a light a lightsaber that works that I can fight with. Uh, against somebody would be great um and uh and, it, and we've just got some nice new cabinets for all our nerdery so we filled up the uh our son's <laughs> pop head one that's all full and we've got a few spaces that could do with some things yeah. some uh toys to put in them i am super i'm talking of um of cabinets behind you is a very interesting wall Mwah. my yes. wall your wall. What is on your wall? Um, there are life is a lesson. You learn it when you're through, which is a lyric from oh, what's that band? They were big in the nineties. Not Linkin Park. Ewan. Never mind. That's the lyric from a song. <laughs> Not all those who wander are lost. Tolkien. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, Limp Biscuit. Yeah, that's Limp Biscuit. That's <laughs> Tolkien. Um. That's Ferris Bueller. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, Life, Prosperity, and Health. In um, that's uh, Egyptian from a tomb. Oh. So oh, it, nice. just little things. This is this was a me and some friends. We went to um, Iceland, and that's oh, wow. the, uh, the an Icelandic rune. Okay. Um, I think it's the dragon's rune. Um, uh, I can't remember. It's Via uh, Visir, something like that. I think it is. Uh, that's a Maltese cross. So we went to Malta for holidays. My grandfather's and our Maltese. Being... Your grandmother's Maltese. My grandfather's Maltese. My grandfather oh, was Maltese. Yeah. Cool. It's it's a stunning place. It's the uh, it's the uh, immovable battleship from the, the Second World War. I'm yeah. sure you know all about that. Being a, a military history buff. Um, but when we were there, I mean, I was going. Now, I'm into military history, as uh, you know, earlier rather than later. But I have 
obviously an interesting second and first world war but our daughter was well into game of thrones by this point yeah. so we got dragged around the silent city all right so you well. know your mate little finger yeah i think i saw you do a podcast the 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 whorehouse yeah yeah there's yeah. a fight outside it been there seen that and various of the locations um that was cool there's a restaurant right next to it so we had dinner there did you ever there. go to did you go to mosta the the cathedral with the bomb in it there's a cathedral called Mosta, and there's like a big I World War II, World War Two bomb in it um, that did. No, explode. we went to the catacombs. All right, okay. We went oh. under underground uh, tunnels. Yeah, it's just because they're, they're one of my claims. To, well, not my claim to fame. My family's claim to fame is that um, there's a bomb in a place in Malta called Mosta. Uh, not a bomb. There's a church called Mosta, which is a cathedral. And in World War Two, uh, obviously they were bombing the shit out of it to try and they get were. it in submission, and uh, the bomb went through the ceiling of the cathedral. Uh, landed in the middle of the congregation and didn't explode. Um, my great grandfather defused that bomb, and it's still in the it's wow. still in the cathedral, and you can sort of kind of stand there and um, and sort of look at it and take photographs and things like that. So it's... I I did not see that. No, yeah. we went to uh, do the old medieval fortresses. Oh yeah, That's amazing. Your granddad. Yeah, 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 but that's beautiful as well. Yeah, it's absolutely Um, amazing. The one thing, yeah, all the Templar stuff. Yeah, the one thing I find about Malta is, and my grandfather before he died, he sort of said, he says, you know, don't go back, and I was like, why? And he's just like, it's changed so much from when you were kids, and it's just like it's so over, it's so over. Like when he grew up there, it was this sort of small, sort of um, limestone building, sort of you know. Uh, sort of I can't even think of the word for it but like you know it was it was a beautiful place and now it's yeah. like you, you know some places it's very much like Blackpool on the on the peripheries of it at all and um yeah I being a writer I talk to people because that's where you get stories from yeah. you don't make things up as a writer you just steal from people's lives and uh, we found and I'm and I'm somebody for I always find the little the little things the things out of the way and we uh, we found one of the old boats because yeah. uh, my brother had been there in his youth and you know the the fisherman with the the boat the eyes yeah. on the boats yeah, yeah. and there are a few of them still playing the trade so we said oh, can we have a tour around the harbor I, you know I was mad on these sort of things and he was saying how it's he must be the last of a handful mm-hmm. of actual fishermen who and also does a few tours but the fishing part is just dying on its ass and the marina was were just full of you know huge gigantic russian yachts yeah they were like just ships and stuff he said it's, it's completely changed and we they're putting the rents up every year mm. so in a couple of years time we're not even going to be able to afford to have a boat here um and hearing his story it was sort of similar sort of vibe because it's become this sort of hub for billionaires yeah basically yeah. It's, it's, um, it's very sad it's very sad like it, i've got it is for the people there yeah, for yeah. Sure. and i've got i've got some very fond memories being there as a kid and um you know amazing place. just you know it is like you know the history yeah. spans centuries and centuries yeah. you know the ancient ancient stuff to right up until to now you know yeah. to the, like sort of bleeding the, edge. the knights of st john was it is it knights of st john who sort of defended yeah, it against the hospitalers wasn't it yeah against the um against the saljuk turks so, yeah 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 um, um and you know, I you know, I love that stuff. You know, the, I I went back a few years back and uh, went to the went to the fort um, for the which is in the museum. Uh, this it's very bad. I can't remember remember the name of it. Nice, no, this St John is it St John? Uh, I'll, I'm going to kick myself afterwards, but yeah, it's amazing. Just so. Um, 
so impressive. The, yeah, I've got all the fo- you know, we've got all the photographs as well from there. Do you know they had a wizard? They had like a, almost like official people who did sorcery, uh, who were kind of in the in some of these orders oh, as wow. well. Okay. Yeah, it was sort of not entirely frowned upon. At certain times, we were reading one of the descriptions on the wall, and it was he was a sorcerer and this, that, and the other. And, I... and then they're on about the the sea, various sieges and and the various. Uh, um, uh, takeovers between you know the knights and yeah, and, uh, yeah. and their enemies. Well, I sort of like um like I started off like World War One and World War Two were sort of things because you know my father my grandfather was in World War Two and so those were things that you know me growing up uh were was was into and then the, I, sure, then, sure. then I was into Sharp because you know Napoleonic Wars cause it had Sean Bean in it and so I was just like Sharp's awesome so I started learning about oh, Napoleon yeah. Napoleon and stuff and then more recent well not more recently in the last sort of. 15 years sort of i started really getting into sort of my medieval stuff and classical history now i, I like i have got so many books uh, one of my favorite authors uh is called uh, tom holland and he does a lot of stuff about uh rome uh spartans persia um everybody uh, goes to the spartans yeah well the, the spartans aren't as sort of glorious as they're made out to be see i grew oh, up i know my my my, my father in malta in fact when we were in malta um i remember this this is a fucked up story but i'll tell you it anyway but my father right um old school sort of guy um and when we were in Malta, I had like a, I had like a Veruca and sort of, you know, there was none of this sort of let's put sort of ointments and stuff. It was like, let's heat a knife and cut it out. So he would sit Yay. there and yeah, and he would, he would tell me stories about the Spartans and, you know, the Battle of Thermopylae and things like that. And about the boy. Um, have you ever heard the story about the boy and the fox, the Spartan boy and the fox? Probably. It's Was it ba- in the film? Uh, no, it, it's not in the film. It's basically a story. And this is what I told my boss once. And he was like, that's fucked up. It's basically about a, a Spartan boy who, um, and the whole thing about them is when they sort of join the Agoga and they sort of, they want to be Spartans, they have to show no pain and they have to show, uh, you know, they're not allowed, if they steal something, they're not allowed to get caught and stuff. So he steals a fox and he, he hides it underneath his, um, he hides it underneath his, his scarlet cloak and he gets stopped by one of the he gets stopped by one of the the guards and the guards is questioning him and the fox is clawing at him underneath his cloak and the boy basically uh answers the questions and this the fox carries on sort of eating away at his stomach and basically it gets to the point where the the boy drops down dead but he dropped down dead without giving himself away and that was the whole thing about you know the spartan boys are meant to be these strong sort of yeah. you know they wouldn't give so it's like i would get, like, I get, and a little bit stupid yeah. and a bit stupid as well yeah. my spartans don't rule the world yeah well that's it and that's it's just psychotic. like you read you read you read about them and they were very much products of a romanticized history because they they were all history is a work of fiction isn't yeah it? well it is yeah. isn't it but it's just like you know written by the winners the, the spartans yeah. you know the battle of thermopylae it wasn't just the 300 there was about th- five there, there was another thousand two hundred sort of <laughs> and um, there were the know, thespians there's thespians and, yeah. and archives and you know a lot of sort of different sort of hoplites who were there at the time um the battle of thermopylae itself was insignificant in the grand scheme of things when it came to the battles you know the battle of Pla- uh, plataea was a lot more important the battle of the- Marath- sea battles were as well. Yeah, the, the well, sea battle, the yeah. battle of uh, the battle of uh, Marathon is a is a crucible in in history, um, which basically, if they had lost at uh, the Battle of Marathon, then 
none of this would be happening. We would be complete. Religion wouldn't be as it is now. The Roman Empire would have never would have never existed. All kinds of crazy shit would have happened just because of that battle not happening. Uh, not obviously them w- uh, losing that battle. Um, but yeah, the Spartans were horrible. <laughs> they were literally horrible. They they had state sponsored pederasty. Um, you know, little boys were basically given to older uh, older Spartan men to basically. I mean that was very common in the ancient world. Anyway, I mean I'm not I'm not excusing it, but it wasn't just a Spartan thing. It was, well, it's just like it was. It, it was, was sort of thing. it wasn't like a you know in sort of Athenian an Athenian sort of um, sort of it was something that maybe a, um, a, a an aristocrat or uh, somebody you know one of the higher sort of echelons would sort of kind of do as has his tipple you know it wasn't something that was sort of state sponsored whereas in Spartans it was literally when you were of age you were given to a patron and that patron would look after you pay your barracks fees and then and bum you basically on a regular basis until you were older and there was you know the only thing they sort of kind of maybe had good going for them was they had more, they had like equal rights for their women and their women were sort of very strong, sort of uh, powerful things because they... Apparently they were, yeah. Apparently they were big lasses. Yeah, and they yeah. sort of, they were the ones who sort of, you know, the whole thing is the Spartan women created their the warrior race because that was their, their downfall was because they didn't have a working class their working class were were helots were slaves yeah. and once the slaves decided to sort of bugger off they had nothing and they you know and they, and, the, and, and contrary to belief the spartans lost and did you know thermopylae has this thing that they surrender they would never they would never sort of surrender but they did they did surrender and it was generally when they were getting arrows shot at them quite regularly like there was a battle in the uh the Pel- uh the Peloponnesian War, where they were on this island, um, and the Athenians are literally just peppering them with ar- arrows, and they go, "All right, I've had enough now. I'm done," and they give up. And that was only a you know a few years later after the sort of per- Greco-Persian Wars. Um, so it's just one of those things that's been romanticized over history and all the other shit that happened. Like Leonidas pretty much had his predecessor murdered <laughs> to get in the place he was he was so there's all kinds of crazy stuff that's why i love history it's so it's so gray there's loads of stuff going on <laughs> anyway sorry we might have been a history rant there apologies <laughs> all right no you carry on man it's your podcast do what you like <laughs> sorry <laughs> how do you, you did like the, the your um acting then you work in, into level work and then you got into writing. So, how did you leap from level work into writing? So it's, it's acting, theatrical prop making, but always, you know, this this sort of live role playing, yeah. uh, tabletop gaming, war gaming, and I've always written. I've always, you know, and and, and writing backgrounds for worlds when you you know you're doing a game. I, I used to run uh, live role playing games in Bradford. I used to run Vampire. Oh. Uh, live role playing. <laughs> we we um, bought the Mind's Eye Theatre. Uh, no, then, we yeah. were no, 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 no. We oh. were um, Bradford by Night, which we had our own system, so it wasn't any of this. We didn't Vogue. It was, it was mm. more more realistic than that. Um, the yeah. armed response unit got called once or twice. Oops. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that not not my doing because the people who ran it before me. I was one of the people who ran it, and the person who ran it before was much better. I learned everything about. Uh, characterization and plot from this guy he's, he's just a genius when it comes to it some might say a mad genius um 
But um, yeah, so it was running around the streets of Bradford pretending to be vampires. And it's like, you know, occasionally you'd be in a park and there'd be all the like the little gangbangers and they'd be like, don't worry, it's just the vampires. You know, ignore them. They're crazy. <laughs> um, so you had these worlds interacting. But then, you're, you know, you're writing plot documents and you're writing backgrounds and you're writing rules. So, you know, you get that discipline in, you know, everything's got to work, everything's got to balance out, which is why when the internal logic of a story or a book, a film, anything doesn't work, it kind of gets me a little twitchy. You know, each their own. I can just walk away. If you let it go, it'll just fall on the floor. You know, it's fine. Um, but I do like an internal logic and everything's got to work realistically. So that and... Um, Stopped acting, got married, had had small people, did the did the theatrical prop making, which was supposed to be a part time thing while I had kids, but it became a full time thing because I'm a bit of a, a worky workaholic and I just kind of do more and more and more stuff. And then I wrote over a, a period of time, I wrote uh, this book called The Red Knight. I put my heart and yeah. soul into it. Got that upstairs. Oh, Thank bless you. you. Um, and you know Adrian blurbed it and stuff, and I because yeah. uh, eventually I self-published it badly because I didn't know what I was doing back in the day. Um, it was very early on, but I shopped it around and it got so close, uh, so many times, and I got um, I got one rejection for it uh, from an agent or a publisher the day my father died, oh. and then I got another rejection the day of his funeral, and it was like oh. ah fuck this shit, you know. Yeah. So that that it made me really sad, and then. One, one publisher, he had it for 10 months and uh, and I eventually tracked him down to a con and I said, you know, you've, you've had it a long time. And I'm, I'm super polite. I'm not rude and I'm not obnoxious. I'm not a manuscript thruster under people's noses. I do everything right. And they said, you know, have you got any feedback? He went, well, no, I don't want it because I'm already publishing too many fantasy books. And besides, I've got X author. So, you know, um, and there's, there's nothing to distinguish your book. And it's got a weird protagonist. So, you know, there's Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman works mainstream more. Um, but Captain Marvel doesn't because she's got too much agency. So, and uh, the Red Knight, uh, the character, it just falls between a few stools. So it would have been a hard sell for a nobody. And I was just gutted that I had to track this guy down. And he had it for 10 months. And he could have told me like after a week. Yeah. I don't want it. So, because once it's shopped out to somebody, you don't, um, uh, you don't send it out to somebody else. You know, it's it's not the polite thing to do. So you're kind of doing nothing. Um, so that was that was that, and I did. Then I uh, I wrote um, breed, and that was uh, that was a response to that. I thought, oh well, screw this, and I wrote it in this this hot passion of three weeks. Yeah, and, uh, you can tell that's breed. Well, I mean, it took three weeks to write the first draft, and it took yeah. three months to write the second. You know, so it gets, but it was, it was all the energy, all the oh, yeah. frustration with the traditional uh, route. Because basically, one one publisher, it, there were some super helpful people, but basically, it's their business. And he was saying like, you, you haven't got a platform, you haven't got a social media presence, you don't blog, and I'm that's not what I do. I'm not. It's just not. I this is unusual for me to do this. But you asked, so you know, I thought, and I missed my own book. I missed my book launch the other night as well. We were launching. Um, <laughs> I had a, a, an unavoidable appointment, but we were launching this this bad boy, which Ooh. is Tales of Cat and Fisher. Okay. Um, Very nice. But I couldn't, I couldn't make that one. And then Peter said, do you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I can't refuse, mate. Um, but I'm not, I have more of a social presence now on Facebook. I've made the F because I've learned now how to self-publish. 
Yeah. So it was it was a, an organic journey. Everything is, is an organic journey. The writing, the book sort of evolved while my kids were little. I'd literally put headphones on and the kids would be like, ah, 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 <laughs> and banging out a novel in the kitchen. And um, and then it kind of broke my heart that it didn't get anywhere because it's a, it's, it's a pretty good book, I think. Yeah, it, I, you said about the the, the passion you, you you wrote it in. It really comes across when I was reading. Oh, it. breed, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. But well, yeah. I always put you got to put your heart and soul in it. But yeah, breed was like, oh well, fuck you and your conventions. I will show. It. And it's 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 quite unique. I think yeah. I think breed is a really unique character, and it seems to have resonated with a lot of people. And it's very irreverent. It's very dark, and it's quite funny. Uh, a friend of mine uh, first described it as comic grimdark. So it's funny, but it's very dark. <laughs> and like sometimes my, hus- my husband's my alpha reader and he go, whew. And I go, what? Like that, that bit there. That's, that's really kind of, whew. And I'm like, is it? Uh, okay. Um, you know, but I do know what spine, burning spinal fluid smells like and things. So I don't, it doesn't seem How? Uh, that bad to me. Oh, you just just know these things, don't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. But a lot of a lot of I take real things and I put them in books. Yeah. Um, and I use uh, fantasy as a metaphor. And and breed people relate to breed. I get I get at least an email a day going, I love this because of this, and, uh, and that's that is good. And well, uh, how- so yeah, I fell into it. How prolific are you, sort of book writing wise? Um, is it we were talking to Adrian last last week, and he's got he's got An so amateur many compared to him. <laughs> he's a machine. He's, he's like freezing like two or three books a year. And I, I think do... there are more of him. That I think there are more Adrian. He's cloned. He's cloned himself. I think so. Yeah, he does science. You know, he does into all that kind of stuff. Was it okay? Um, of... This. No, carry on. Sorry. Oh no! This this year I wrote. Um... I finished writing and published uh, Breed Four, which is this one from Hell's Heart. See, I'm I'm prepared. I did I did work. Nice. Thanks. Uh, that that came out in March, which is the perfect time to release. If you're going to release a book, release it at the beginning of a pandemic. Primo. There's pro tip. Um, so that got finished this year, and then I did the novella Cat and Fisher, which is the one with uh, Adrian and Frida and and Juliet. So that's about 20-odd K, 25K, 30K, I don't know. I've finished, finally finished the manuscript for a spin-off from Two Assassins from uh, Breed, which is tentatively called The Spider and the Fly. So one is basically a big spider person. They're an arachid, and they're very noble and very samurai-like. And the other one is called, his, his nickname, his sobriquet, is the Mosquito, and he's a, a, a foppish assassin, and fate conspires to bring them together so i finished the first draft of that manuscript but i've been writing that for a couple of years but every time i've sort of addressed it i put it on a back burner because another breed story came to me and i am about four or five chapters away from finishing uh the first draft of what will be breed five um and four and five were never meant to happen, but I was cleaning a toilet one day and this idea occurred to me and I thought, well, you got to go with it. You know, these characters, they're just, they're insistent. Um, so that would be four, I guess, four well, so, manuscripts. So that sort of, that sort of brings us back to the point on sort of George R. R. Martin in that, you know, people seem to be able to sort of 
you know, write quite quite well. I would say Adrian writes a a million books a year, and you know, yeah, you you you, you, you you can write a fair few yourself. So it's just after six years, you, there's there has to be a line surely where you can kind of go. Well, you know, Mister Martin is a little bit older, and also he's got you know he's got so much more life to do because he's got appearances, he's got. Um, uh, lots of other things, you know, he's got TV shows and films and all this kind of stuff to deal with. And I'm sure he has a, an army of PRs and things, but mm. he's probably got many more distractions than, than you know, basic shut-ins like me who can just hunker down. And yeah, I've got family, I've got dogs, you know, I've got life to deal with, yeah, a little, you know, help, help out in the business and stuff. But my responsibilities are so much less you know, it's you got to scale it up to somebody like that guy, you know? How do you deal um, with writer's block? So do you get a point get where you're just like, you don't, you just sort of... No. Um, when I got to, when I wrote Breed, I didn't have a plot at all. I just started writing. So, and I like to, basically, if you create the characters that are strong enough, they have their own motivations. So you just let them dictate the pace. So you know where what they would do in that given situation because you've created them from the, the DNA up. Mm-hmm. Um, so occasionally I'll come to a situation where like, uh, okay, this is the situation. I didn't expect this. Where's this going? And I just walk the dog. So when I was writing the first draft of the first book, uh, my poor now deceased Husky got a lot of walks, you know, yeah, 17 in a day. Wow. Um, really good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, She did, she did well, bless her. Um, but yeah, so I just walk the dog and walking tends to free up, you know, so you just let it, you work, you know, your subconscious is really clever. Uh, my, mine is way cleverer than my conscious. And it just, uh, it just goes. But ideas, I'm never, ideas I'm not sure of. It's time that is the issue. Because I'm a slow writer, believe it or not. I've just sort of reeled off a bunch of stuff. But um, I do write very slowly. I, I, this last month has been the, the NaNoWriMo thing that people do. Yeah. And I would never try and do that because I think it's overwhelming. And, and then you, you hear people going, oh, I wrote 10,000 words today. I wrote 3,000. And I'm thinking, God, if I wrote 500, I might write 1,000 and then ditch 500. Hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, great. You know, I can, I can write all day and end up on less words than I had the day before. Do yeah. you actually physically write or do you type? Just... I type. I'm, right, just, just... I, I take a lot of notes. I mean, my desk is littered with post-it notes <laughs> that you can't see. Um, so I do, I do take notes, uh, longhand, but I, I tend to type. Yeah. Uh, how about you? I was, well, I type, I do a lot of typing because like I use like notes, note taking software on my, on my phone. And yeah. just find that's a great when I out about, but I know there's a couple of authors out there like, um, Catalink's Raven, uh, one of them gets headaches from looking at the screen. So they actually, she actually writes out the first draft and right. then gives it to her to insist and go, right, there you go. There's my first draft. You tell me what you think. And yeah so like she just writes it out literally uh on pen and paper so just, wow. just when you were saying about writing it i thought i had to ask i no no what is it mark mark canty he's he's usually on the podcast he's just done the is it nanorama is that what they call it he, nanorama. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's just done yeah. fifty thousand words in a month and it's like like i'm doing the am the world have you ever heard of world anvil before at all sort yeah, of like of it's sort of kind of the similar sort of thing but it's more it's geared a, towards world, world, yeah, world, world building sort of thing games. yeah and oh. i um i've sort of tasked myself because we've got a D campaign that we do on thursdays and um 
I, I'm generally of the view that I, I, I just let them do things and then sort of kind of bounce off their ideas. But it's like, I kind of need to write backstory for some of this stuff because it's not going to make mm. sense if I don't. So I sort of, t- they've got this thing called um, World Ember, which is like, you've got to write 10,000 words in a month. And then there's prizes for the best sort of like, there's 20 categories, you know, person or organization or prose. And um I, I've I've done twelve thousand words I think so far in 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 six days. Um, wow! And it, great. In my defense, though, it's a lot of it is coming off stuff that you know the guys have sort of said, and I'm like, right, and I've just dramatized it and stuff. So it's things that have come off the D and D games and stuff, and I I just sort of added to it and things. But, There's also a fair bit in, uh, in text chat, like yeah, text, yeah. Discord that would just kind of copy over, yeah, and just pad out a bit like adding context and emotion and situational details and i I find that card because like i'm i'm sort of writing a character at the minute like i'm not i'm i'm not a great writer i can sort of i can tell i can spin a story for dungeons and dragons but i I don't think i'd ever be an author but it's like i get to a point where i'm just like this doesn't make sense or you know you know when you're i don't know how you do it but it's like you're you're writing a conversation so you're having a conversation with two people and i just kind of do do i have to go and he says and she says or he does this with a smirk and it's just like no that doesn't make sense that doesn't and it sort of kind of it gets to me to a point where i'm just like this is shit and then i just walk off (laughs) just like this is ridiculous and then i have to go away and then i walk my dog and then i'm just like yeah yeah dog walking it's yeah. where it's at, man. It's depends what you want to do with it, yeah. though. You know, if if it's if you're trying to if you want to publish it, then no, it's not going to be public. You it's know, just... learn learn some craft. You know, yeah. learn learn the. It's like any skill, isn't it? You know, if you if you wanted to do it to, to be to be an author, say, you know, you get a, a taste for it writing games and stuff. And I think that's where a lot of us come from, gaming backgrounds. Um, I yeah, yes. Yeah, I don't think many. I have the discipline for it. Um, I'm, I'm one you of. Do these... need to be disciplined, but yeah, I'm also, yeah. I'm used to that from doing the ghostwriting. Because you know, you get penalties and stuff sometimes if you're not going to be on time. So, and also you get a rep. So if you can bring work in on time, that's a good plus. Yeah. So I, I have my deadlines, but it might be, you know, I might have to pull for you all nighters at some points to yeah. meet. But it's ostensibly, you know, obviously I had deadlines when I'm working for other publishers, but when I'm working for myself, I have my own deadlines because this is my business. Um, so you, it's just, but it's, you learn it, you know, it's like any other muscle. The more you, first time I finished writing a novel and I put the end and it took years to get to that point, I knew I could do it again. Mm-hmm. But it took me to get to that point to know that I could do it, you know. It's, it, it's like anything else, it's practice. Even even brain surgeons have to practice. Yeah, you know, it's just I start out going. It's Give me a brain. When, it's when you're this. sort of kind of doing something that you enjoy. Like I, I, I'm, I've, I'm one of these guys who puts my hand to a lot of things. So I'm a jack of all trades, master of none sort of thing. So I'm good at a lot of things. I'm just not very. I'm not super good at anything. I sort of like do lots of things. So I paint toys. I, to, I paint toy miniatures and stuff, and I'm not bad at that. But I've got loads of half finished ones because I get to a point where I'm everybody stuck. has man. Yeah, and you just sort of go. Oh, I'm, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm getting to the point. And as soon as I start enjoying it, that's when the, the sort of block kicks in so it's it, writing painting writing music uh poetry any of the, the millions of things that i do i i get to a point where i'm just like i'm not enjoying this and then i have to move on and my mind flicks to something else and then that's it game over because i'll not go back i'll go back to it eventually but it's just you know i don't have that discipline to par through that block and move on and just go right it's just 
that little bit further. I can't seem to get past that, and that's where my issue is. I think so. I could never I think be. If it's your day job, yeah. But if if it's your day job, if you if you sell your soul to it and you go, all right, this is what I do now, and you've got a mortgage, you'll you'd find the discipline. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, like, um, there's a couple of articles I've had to do for clients, which does not interest me, but they are paying me for it. They expected by a certain number of words by a set by a certain deadline. And if I don't do it, I will not get paid and I will get a backlog against me. And it's just like, well, no, because I, I like these new clients. I like to write nicely for them. They pay well. So you yeah. write it, you push through, you just do it. And Do you, do you find well, that you sort of, you know, you, you because it's, see, it's like, like I work, uh, I work for solicitors in my is my day job, and yeah. um, I've done like I investigated fraud for like fourteen years, and now I've been sort of moved into tech side of things. So I do a lot of sort of coding things and uh, and and development of technology and things for them. And the as soon as I get to a point, if I enjoy something and then I'm forced to do it, I sort of start sort of it's it's hard to explain. I, I get Never, this. no, no, not at all because yeah. like it's. Famous person once said, find a job you love and you never work a day in your life. Yeah. And so you're paying me to write. <laughs> yeah. Pretty like, good. Um, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I can sit there and do spreadsheets and you know, you're you're right. You know, they're the most monotonous things. Like I had to do a job the other day, which was like, I had to duplicate 30 letters for a workflow thing. And they were all the same bar a few different little sort of square bracket uh, parentheses in it. And it took ages and it was so monotonous, but I sat there and I did it because that was my job and that's what I had to do. Um, yeah. So I, I understand that sort of angle. I'm just not sure if I could do it with if it was something I loved because as soon as I get to that block... But I suppose if nobody's paying me, I'm just sort of like, like I don't, I want to enjoy it. It's not because somebody is, you know, it's not my my livelihood's not on the line if I don't sort of yeah. paint, paint my space marine. Um, so I guess, yeah, I just I don't I don't know if I could do it. I would just I don't know if I'd well, stress well, myself out. You, you you take your dog for a walk, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I love I love the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, and I love you know I, I've always you know despite being dyslexic, um, I've always enjoyed uh writing stuff and you know the dungeons and dragons thing has really helped me sort of be able to sort of go with that and we've had some really good especially the text stuff like we do a whatsapp group um if people can't do sort of the day or or if we just decide to do a whatsapp sort of mission or um quest even and they can get really intense and quite emotional and stuff and i love it it's really good because you can spend a lot of time putting a lot of heart and soul into these sort of stories and i love that sort of thing it's really good um, it is, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah, I I, I have a lot of respect for writers, um, for you both, because you know it's it, you know, it, it's hard, and uh, I you any know. job's hard though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is the thing. Any job's hard. It gets a bit. It's it's like long distance running. It is a lot. It, it's it's a lonely thing. Uh, you do need you do need a bit of discipline. Yeah, of course you do. But you yeah. need as we just said, we need it in every job. But it's not like fishing bodies out of the Ganges. You know, it's it's not. <laughs> it's not not a hard job it's not it's not coal mining you know it's it's not being a care worker or anything like yeah, that yeah. you're working in a care home it's it's pretty good as as jobs go yeah, yeah there's a there's a big emotional yeah all creativity has a, an emotional element to it but you know i feel very lucky to be able to earn my living doing this you know um and you're, you're playing god as well um you you are 
you are creating monkeys and they dance to your tune, <laughs> um, which is very cathartic. There's, there's quite a lot of people who've pissed me off who've come to untimely ends uh, in, in, in novels. Or, uh, <laughs> seriously. Yes. Do they know that yeah. they're, uh, do you know that you've killed no. them all? No, no, no. no, no, no. Um, let's just say in something I'm working on right now, there is a few references to former long distance colleagues who Ooh. I did not get on with. <laughs> there is a catharsis. Right. Yes, there oh, is. Oh, yes. Yeah. There um, are some people who think they're in novels and they're not. That's okay. the weird, that's, that, is that me? Like, no. <laughs> no it's not are you sure? Is that me? No. Do you ever have that, Peter? Uh, no, actually, at one point, um, I was writing, I need like these three bodyguards. And I thought, oh, I've got to ask Huey Fast and um, and uh, Frank from the Fundamental Criminals. And I was going, please, you cannot call um, mem- a bodyguard team after your favorite band. You can't <laughs> do that. You can. I put song lyrics in every any every one of my book has song lyrics in it no from, from favorite oh, songs. Nice. Yeah, I'm like uh, I'm like the bargain basement T.S. Eliot. There's so <laughs> many. I, Every book I write is like the wasteland. It's full of references. A lot of it stems from, um, you know, conspiracy theories about lizard people. Literally, the main character of my book is is a, an ambiguous uh, half lizard, half human. It's it's the secret lizard race. The the there's the I've got Anarashi, but it's the Anunnaki, which are the the secret masters. It's all like conspiracy theory, you know, the 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 eye, all this kind of Illuminati. It's all in there. It's just. Yeah. It's like a kid's toy box, uh, and all the all the toys are stuck to Play-Doh, and that's <laughs> that's a novel for me, you know. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, was writing um, a Fox Hunt for Fox Spirit, uh, t- Tales of the Fox and Fay. See of now, fight... yeah, Adele first published Breed. When I got caught, I was going to yeah. self. I, I need to say this because I was going to self publish it, and then I bottled it. And then I rang Adele and went, Adele, Adele, will you publish this novel for me? And she went, oh, let me have a look. Yeah, all right. And then, then it got nominated. It got She nominated it because you need nominate. When, when you get these awards, it's not like magic comes from the sky and sprinkles it on your head. <laughs> a publisher needs to nominate you. And then um, Breed got nominated and it got shortlisted for the Robert Holstock Award, the, oh, the nice. best uh, British fantasy. Yeah, British fantasy novel. Uh, it was... Um, um, Oh, who was it who won it? Uh, Harding. Um, she's another, she's a friend of Adrian's. She's another LARPA. Uh, Francis Harding won it oh, that yeah. year. Um, brilliant. Who uh, could object to losing to her? Um, but yeah, that was, I just thought I'd mention that Adele did publish Breed yeah, first of all, but then, right, yes. then she gave me, my, she let me revert my rights because I, I thought I could, when I learned how to self publish properly, I thought I could give it a, a bit of a, 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 you know, a different push. Yeah, because it was it, it's the one book I was working on, yeah. uh, whereas Adele has dozens that she was working on, and she, you know she does miracles to say that she's just you know her pretty much and a few other people, you know, doing it and full time jobs. Absolutely. You know, so. yeah. Would you ever? But yeah, Adele was my security blanket and <laughs> guardian angel. Would you ever? Yeah. Um, would you ever use Kickstarter for any of your work? Nah. No. No. No, um, I think Kickstarter is a valuable resource and it shouldn't be abused by by those who don't need to use it. 
yeah, and I do, and, I, and also it's a spur as well. I mean, it's it's hard. Um, it's like now I'm writing like a fifth book in a series. Obviously, your readership tails off. Mm-hmm. You know, you lose readers as you go. Um, I've true. been very lucky that um, I have a very I have the best fans in the world. They are funny. They're acerbic. They're clever, uh, and they're great to hang out with. Um, so I, I, but you, you know, you write these books, you know, it's, it's eight, nine hours a day on your own. Then you pay for an editor. I, uh, you know, I have a professional editor, you pay for covers, you pay for marketing. So you, you outlay a lot of money as a self-published author first. before you It is speculative, isn't it? Completely speculative, yeah. yeah. It could just die on its ass. Um, and there's so many books out there because obviously democratization means that everybody has a, a shot, you know. So you're competing in a in an incredibly crowded market. Um, so yeah, sorry, I've, I've I've diverged a little bit from the original. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, it's just um, that's great. Yeah, I think yeah. Well, the the self publishing side of things is it is it scary? Yeah. Yeah, it's terrifying. And also, it's when I first did it, uh, when I first took the rights back um, for Breed, and um, and I remember, be, you know, uh, talking about the Red Knight, going, and I self-published that, but I, I need to do it again because when I first did that, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just put it up there and expected people to find it, uh, which is silly. You need to you need to market any Probably, product yeah, that promote. you want people to buy. Yeah. But, the you know, it's really hurtful to start with because – Back in 2015, 2014, it was regarded as, you know, shit on the shoes. Of, yeah. Like, a lot, a lot, and, and people can be very cruel. And because people are, it can be quite insecure, because um, you, you, you're not competing with other writers, but you, you kind of, it's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's, it can be intense, you know? It yeah. can be, it can be intense. So people you, can be yeah. cruel. And lump everybody into the same sort of category. So there'll be somebody, you know, there'll be, a, there are a lot of bad self-published books, terrible, terrible self-published books, you know, not, they're not well edited. They're not well written. They've no good story. They've got terrible covers, the works, but there are some incredibly um, competent read, you know, and now I see a lot more traditionally published authors moving over to doing, oh, yeah. to doing both. Like, you know, I've got stuff with traditional publishers and I, and I self-publish, there's a lot of hybridization going on now. And there are some people who entirely swear by indie because you have control over your work. But it, it can be rough because people say, oh, self-published books are all shit. And there are people who still say that. Uh, they're unenlightened. And I think it's, yeah. a, bit, um, it's a bit unfair. Uh, you know, but that's the world, isn't it? You've got to just let it take it. Does there, is there, uh, like, money? Why? Obviously, it these days because of electronic books and and and, and things like that you, you don't have to spend as much money on physical copies but is that is that is that something you have to bear in mind that you know you have to buy x amount of copies to provide no 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 you don't no um so i i basically i don't i i'll get a bunch of books printed to give to friends yeah. who, who, who want them <laughs> who i can like pin down here here have a book <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and then review copies, but I don't tend to give out re- many review copies now. And I like to give uh, do freebies and stuff for um, my my fan my, you know, fans, uh, my readers. 
Um, I, I like to give stuff away because it's nice because they appreciate my work and I appreciate them reading it. Um, but other than that, I don't, I don't, I don't get any copies done in advance. Um, so that's that's not a consideration. Your consideration are editorial. You know, you pay for an editor, uh, and you pay for marketing, and you pay for a cover artist. Um, and uh, you know, well, if you want the formatting, because formatting of ebooks can be a bit of a pain, can't it? Yeah. Well, luckily, my my other half is a bit of a you know genius. Uh, so you and you went, oh yeah, I'll I'll sort that out for you. So he can he does that. So that's that's a money saver. Yeah. If I could if I could steal him away from engineering, <laughs> make, make him my full time bitch. That'd be nice. <laughs> uh, but you know, um, but no, he can he can do that. So that's <laughs> that saved us some time. I go, I want it like this, and he goes, yeah, all right. You know, but when we were making films, we were filming and we did some book trails. So it's on Simmer yes, Media on YouTube. And it was basically an excuse to get a bunch of people together and dress up like orcs. So we did like orcs and knights and all this kind of stuff. And we had a bit of a laugh. And um, and there were some makeup mistakes. And I went, oh, if only we could digitally take that out. And he was like, yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah, give me a few hours. <laughs> and he just learned how to digitally edit things. Oh. You know, <laughs> this is this is who I live with. So. Yeah, I'm I'm the moron and he's a, he's a genius in the background. <laughs> so, yeah, but no, sorry, to your original question, no, you don't have to worry about um, yeah, bring coffee. Like, um, my wife, Kalia, is a document checker right. professionally. So if I, wow. if I would ever write something, or have a look at that, please. And I'll, I'll, get, I'll get like a load of red marks for it. Like, do this, that's good. Move that. And like, nope, superfluous or... <laughs> Nope. Wow. Circlings. Do you get offended? Do you get offended when your editor comes back and there's like big red lines through things? Do you kind of go, what? Never. No. Nah. You've got to suck it up, haven't you? <laughs> well, no, I mean, that is what they do. Yeah. Because you don't see it, you stop seeing it, and your brain fills in the things, your brain fills in the gaps. So if you if you want to read a sentence, you will read that sentence, yeah. even if it's not what's written there. Yeah, yeah. So that's why. I've got uh, a manuscript marinating now, so I have to put it away long enough, you know, a month or so, so I've forgotten I've written it, so I can look at it with fresh eyes. Because if you go straight into editing again, you're going to miss all the mistakes that you've made. You'll yeah. see the intent, but not what yeah. was there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you were you, you sort of mentioned, there's two things I want to talk about before we, before we leave, um, but uh, you sort of mentioned uh, the LARPing. Is that something that you still do now, or...? Yeah, my kids do it. Um, they they wanted to get into it, so I I go along as well occasionally. Um, Which one do you do? Empire. Okay. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah, because yes. no, no um, Aiden used to do that, didn't he? I don't know if he did that. We did. Uh, we did Maelstrom. Oh, that's uh, what I was getting mixed up. Yes. That's that's where I met Adrian many yeah. moons ago. Because yeah, I've, I've done LARPing a couple of times at, at uh, with the Lorraine Trust. Right, purely yeah. for convenience because it's five it's five minutes from where i live oh, so so rather than go camping i go 
No, I'll just go back to my bed, thanks. <laughs> it does look I've not I've never done it. Um the closest I've the closest I've done to something like that is one of the medieval banquets you go to in sort of like Kumagi right. or something and, and yeah, yeah. you dress up and it's awesome. It's so it's so much good fun. But I've I've always kind of I've said to my brother and stuff, I said, We should totally do this someday, man. We should do you should go and you know do it. But um it's just like my i don't know because i'm a war gamer as well it's like if they've got bad rule sets it sort of upsets me and the stuff rules are incredible yeah. uh what will what will get you go uh, um live role playing events are the big battles yeah yeah because everybody is an ind- everybody is a character yeah nobody is rank and file oh that's annoying uh, so I, you know i i'm a war gamer and i come from like uh, you know and this is and each to their own by the way i'm not saying there's a right or wrong to this um but i i come from a place where you, you'd have regiments and regiments would do what yeah. you know you, you'd be marching in block and formation and all this kind of stuff and learning all the drills and, and doing it proper uh whereas everybody is the hero yeah so everyone's, you get the everyone's a hero in their own story so uh, empire what you get is you get the uh the every one day you fight as your character next day you fight as a monster or you should do a lot of people yeah. don't bother being the monsters um, but the monsters are always really good because you'll have somebody going, right, what I want you to do in this battle is this, this, and this. So the monsters are all coordinated and they do what they're told. And then you get the other guys, which are the characters, and it's like, waha! And it drives me nuts. <laughs> I know. It, it drives me crazy. I've done a couple of battles. I'm like, oh, God, why can't people hold that line? What uh... are they doing? Where are they going? And I just think, no, this is you're being silly. They're having a great time. Mm. Don't be a dick. You know, this is not... <laughs> But it's just, um, you know, you can't help who you are. You know? I, I watched some of the, uh, I watched some YouTube videos of one of the battles and stuff because I wanted to, because <laughs> that's the one thing, you know, if I wanted to do it, I, 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 I like the, the, are, the role playing thing I could do, but I would love to do one of the battles. So it's like, I want to, I want to, I want to check that out. And I was watching this um, guy shouting at a bunch of other guys who were ignoring him completely. And he was trying to get them into a line. And it was funny because it was just like, I was sitting there going, they're going to get flanked. They're going to get flanked. They're oh, going to get man. flanked. Yeah, yeah. and the, the orcs were just sort of coming round the side and I was like what are you doing it's just like come on it's just like and everybody's just like you had one guy he was like oh I'm so badly injured you need to take me off and I was like come on man just walk over him he's dead it's, carry on no you, you, no, you don't you don't do that and the thing is because you, when you're monstering you just all coordinate and you've yeah. no dog in the fight particularly so you yeah. just do it Whereas the characters, you've all got a dog in the fight. You've all got your characterization. Yeah. You might be going to the battle. You've just lost your, your your wife or your husband. You might be under the the effect of a spell that makes you reckless, or you you might just not be coordinated. And you get people. There's a lot of reenactors who who become larpers, and and you know. Yeah. So there are people there going, "Oh my good god!" <laughs> so it's just this. It's just this. But it's such a lot of fun, and there is a lot of, and you do get into the emotion of it as well. It keeps you fit. Um, and there's oh, there's a yeah. uh, forty there's forty k lap. I just I kept this. Oh yeah. Uh, I brought this is this is one of the toys I had from a forty k lap. So <laughs> no it was all oh. Nerf weapons. Oh, no way. Awesome. Yeah, man. That's that's a, a belt feeding thing, and it was all. So we were all running around woods, being uh, I think a penal squad when i when i did it um, right, okay. great fun just firing nerf bullets at each other but <laughs> but there was there was feels you know it's it was it was brilliantly run and i think some of the people running that one ended up writing for um uh black library as well you know so it's got bona fides yeah yeah um, would you would you ever do black library 
I don't know the world enough. I've got a lot of, I know a lot of people who do do it. Um, um, obviously, you know, people like, you know, Danny Ware and stuff. She's doing uh, uh, a lot of that kind of thing. Uh, Sarah Corkwell uh, as well. Um, oh, that was, and, yeah, Sarah Corkwell. Was, was she the one doing the LARP? I don't, I don't think it was. There was another another person who did it, and I'm afraid I'm not very good with names. Oh, could have been. Could have been. I know that I know somebody was who one of the crew ended yeah. up was in the game I was playing okay. ended up uh, uh, doing it. So you know it's got it's got its bona fides. Um, I I mean I am I'm signed up to another company that does do uh, tie-in fiction and they do they they do games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'd really love to have. I just don't have the time in my schedule to. And I've got a great idea for a story that would fit in with one of their um, one of their IPs. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. If I love it, if I really, if I'm into it, I just don't know enough of of forty k. Um, really, I did yeah. a little bit, but I did more more fantasy, Warhammer fantasy. Yeah, forty k uh, is just like the the background. You know, for all of Games Workshop sort of, um, uh, you know, the, the issues people have with them and stuff. Their their lore is absolutely phenomenal. Some of the background stuff is just oh man, see it grow as well over the over the over the years. It's grown and they've grown the hobby. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, playing but they've made um a geeky nerdy um uh, little little niche thing mainstream yeah yeah you know so that can never be that can't be taken away really yeah 100 um, so yeah. power to them yeah um whatever the, there's internal issues and i mean that's with any big company so that's, that's not my not my circus not my i think clowns, it's, it's know, more to know. do with with toxic nerds unfortunately we were talking about this before but you know nerds can be bitches basically they just sort of all they do is moan and sort of you can't they can't enjoy things they can't enjoy things for what they are and they're always having a go at something and i feel bad for games workshop sometimes because they can't do anything right they're like they're bringing out some new models from back in the you know the rogue trader days and the, the late 80s oh, and, days, and people are going oh, bloody hell. and it's just the like, archetypes yeah. oh my god yeah i remember that yeah, yeah. really good fun yeah, and it's just um, they just people just moan and and uh, space brains wouldn't do a that. It's forum to do it though, isn't it? It's, it's Twitter. Let's face it, we're talking about Twitter, aren't we? Yeah. And I I recently recently ditched Twitter because wow. if you if you give people the opportunity to complain, and I feel so much. You know, one, I've got more time, and two, uh, I don't feel pissed off <laughs> with it. I don't, and I have no, I don't mind. I have no problem with Instagram. I don't do a lot of Instagram. I need to do more Instagram, but there's only so many hours in the day. But I like Instagram because it's a very visual thing. Yeah. Uh, I like Facebook because I ruthlessly curate my feed. I do use Facebook for marketing purposes as well. So I have to be on there. Yeah. So I have to like it, you know, and I I just think life is too short to look for things to be pissed off about. Cause, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll bring, you know, life will bring you issues. Uh, I- you don't have to go look for them. I can have nerd rage about certain things, but I try to measure myself on it and and, and be well, fun nerd rage is yeah, okay. Yeah, so you know, you know, so somebody telling me that sort of you know, Rogue One is isn't a good film. I'm like, it's not. It's, it's not really sort of you know. I'm not angry. I'm just sort of like I'm super passionate. That's is, and I'm not going to sort of. I'm disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> and it's. Just... I think it's a good film. It's just not my cup of tea. Oh, yeah. You know, I prefer Star Rogue One. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. Um, but, oh, yeah, uh, see, see, I used to review. I used to review for this thing, SF Crow's Nest. So I learned to say, in my opinion, yeah, you know. So it's it's just. I'm not saying I hate when people say it is a shit. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, is yeah. shit. You know, it's it's better to say, in my opinion, I thought it was shit. 
but that's just my opinion, you know. And I didn't think, I didn't for a second think Rogue One was shit. I just, it just wasn't my. <laughs> that's why you're still on the podcast. That, thank you. <laughs> it's like one of those things. It's like, do you like Rogue One? If you think it's shit, um, you're not getting. You're getting out of here. You're right. On. You're right. <laughs> it's like one of the prerequisites. You should do that. You should do like a speed dating. Yeah. <laughs> there and I have like loads of people lined up and go. So, do you like Rogue One? Well, boom, gone. So, do you, like Rogue <laughs> nope. One? you could just you could just do that. I, I should have done that on Tinder when I was on Tinder. I should have gone. You know, you know. What, first question: Do you like Rogue One? Nope. Out, out, out. That being said, I don't think. You... <laughs> You wouldn't have been able to resist, though. That beautiful, you know, gorgeous. <laughs> well, you like Rogue One? No, but I am an underwear model for Victoria's <laughs> Secret. Okay, <laughs> I'll let you stay. But you know, I'm going to like, have to learn to like Rogue One. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing is, it's like I always do the whole thing. I remember with my uh, with one of my exes, like, and I this is back in my old house. And I had a converted garage uh, with all my man cave stuff. And um, I had some stuff in the house because, you know, I was living on my own. So I was like, yeah, I can bring all my nerd stuff out a bit. And I sort of kind of brought her in. I said, so, you know, the way I've got tattoos and I'm in a band and you think I'm super cool and everything? Yeah, yeah. And all that shit I told you on... uh, It's it's, it's true. I am those things. but, But what I haven't really sort of emphasized is that i'm a super nerd and this it's is a sort of kind of, moment isn't it yeah, this is what, <laughs> and sort of so i bring them in and you know there's like a cabinet full of like star wars toys and stuff and oh that, that's not too bad that that's that's not all of it around the corner there's there's a big bookcase full of you know collectibles and things oh okay that's not fine yeah that's just the tip of the iceberg there's a garage and it's just like a bringer into the garage and then there's my collection of lord of the rings figures from the film like every single one i've got every single one like i've got four bookshelves full of lord of the rings figures and other stuff and i'm just like yeah and this is the rest of it (laughs) and they gotta go and if they stay then it's okay (laughs) they don't talk to that is good it's like there you go if they can deal with it you know it's it's I'll show you the girl I go out with now. Um, you know, she she deals with it very well. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's okay. They're keepers when they can deal with it, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Me and my husband, we've been married a long time now. And um, I've been out with, I went out with this guy. He was beautiful. He was into racing cars. And that was it. And honestly, I made so many lies up to go to play D&D instead of meeting him until he went it's not working is it I'm sorry because it just was nothing he was beautiful he was six foot six white Mohican you know he was you know black leather jacket you know proper but yeah you know you need you need need your tribe you've got to connect you know absolutely I mean you know you say man cave your whole house is is a nerd cave because yeah. it's, it's mostly my so people come around and like guys go oh yeah I like your stuff man and he goes it's my wife's <laughs> it's not mine. Well, yeah, I mean you got I love that um, stained glass window you did based on Skyrim sorry yeah it's in the it's in the bathroom yeah and there's a, there's a the, the vinyl on the floor there's a dragon yeah um, yeah you should see uh, you should see downstairs now we've got I think the, I think for me like as much as she's massively into sort of like animals and things like and i love you know my dogs cats you know very much into my sort of kind of 
and the fact that we can cry together in in films like A Dog's Purpose and uh, A Street Cat Called Bob and things like that. Bali and, and Me. Oh, you seen man. that one? Those things. Have you have you seen um have you seen A Dog's Purpose? The film A Dog's Purpose? No, I don't watch didn't. it. Never watch it. Oh. Never watch it. It's the most beautiful film, but it's horrible because it literally is a dog dying over and over and I over checked, again. You know that website? Does a dog die? Does a dog die in this? You know the website? No. There's a there's a it's a site you can go. Does the dog die in this? Right, I'll, I'll check that one out. Yeah. Do you know? Because me and my daughter went to see Mali and me, and it was it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, like I literally after that film, I went and I just hugged my dog for about half an hour. And, Please oh, never leave me. Please never. I'm never die. watching that film. Yeah, thank you for the heads up. It's seriously, it's 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 a good film, but it's literally it's just about a dog uh, reincarnating itself and trying to find I its original I, owner. Yeah. And it's just—I'm it, yeah. literally crying throughout the entire thing. I don't think I stopped crying throughout the entire thing. And I was just looking at my oh, dog no, afterwards, no. going, "Oh, please never leave!" Oh God! And he's just going, "What are you doing?" Oh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, get off me, fool! Yeah, he's just like, <laughs> what, are you, "What the hell?" What are you, you like with the chickens, Peter? Um, have any of those gone to the? Oh yeah, yeah the Rainbow we, Bridge. We lost quite a few chickens, but then hens don't uh, live for very long. They last about. Tops four years. So, he, and also, yeah, I mean, they have their own characteristics, but because they are kept outside and they're very much, you know, outside pets, yeah, you don't form as much as a connection, I think, as you would with a dog. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I, I love I love dogs. Like you're just like I broke up with one of my exes because she she made me choose between her and the dog, and I chose the dog. Yeah, no <laughs> contest really. Yeah, it? it's yeah. just like it's um um yeah. Uh, my dog would never. It's Boromir you've got at the moment. He's got he's a Tibetan Mastiff called Boromir. And, oh, amazing! Yeah. They're amazing dogs. Yeah, he's he's got his own. He's, wow. Do you know how this is how, how he gets more lions? Yeah, he's like a lion. He has got nearly more likes than my website. He's got twenty five thousand likes on TikTok. And it's just because he is who he is. And it's just like, it's mad. He's just, he's a massive pain in the ass, but he's an amazing dog. He's just sort of, they're, Tibetan Mastiffs are interesting animals because they're, they're quite, they're, they're still very much sort of wild animals in certain ways, as in, they're they're guard dogs, and so mm. you can't just have people into your house. You can't just have random people going into your house because he's like, "This is my family. This is my house, and you're a stranger." So I have to go and meet people at the door and invite them in, and then he has to sort of kind of make sure that they're all right. And even then, he'll stand there and he'll just watch them throughout the whole thing just to make sure they're not doing anything <laughs> stupid. And it's just it's mad because if he's out and about in the street, he's fine. He, you know, right. he's he's, he's He's perfect, you know. He, he let you know. I get go. I go into Manchester with him sometimes. Just as and people just flock in like hundreds. I literally surrounded with people just stroking him and sort yeah. of you know. And he he deals with it really well. In the house though, if you have somebody in and he doesn't trust them and stuff, then he will literally and sit there and watch them the whole time. So it's a very but odd. The, yeah, but then odd it's his animal. territory. That's well, that's, and, yeah, and that's yeah. it. He is a guard dog after all, and that you yeah. know that doesn't bother me. But it means I can't just have impromptu parties and stuff because he's very much a case of you know I accept you because you're the boss, and I accept you because you're the boss, and I accept you know this. But these new people, I'm not accepting this shit. You know, <laughs> you know, you're not allowed in my house, sort of thing. So they're 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 interesting. They're they're amazing beasts. They're absolutely amazing, but they're they're hard work. He um my my do- he, they go through doors. 
if you if you're not careful and he's been through a couple of doors <laughs> they're that big <laughs> Yeah, they're, yeah, and it's just... What does he eat? Does he, I mean, he must eat, yeah, house No, he, I get that a lot, actually. He doesn't eat that. He gets one big bowl a day, um, and I, I used to give him more, but he just wouldn't, wasn't eating it, so I give him sort of, like, if I got, uh, I'll give him raw, if I can, um, but it's mm. quite expensive, so what I'll do is I'll generally mix and match. So I've got this sort of hypoallergenic stuff. Um, I get dried food, and I mix it in with some raw. And I put a bit of hot water over the 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 dried food, so it sort of yeah. makes it feel like it's maybe a bit, you know, it's it's raw. And um, he just gets one bowl of that a day, and every now and again, sort of gets a bit, you know, tip bits from us. Um, but that, yeah, he's not, you know, though you go you go three times where he won't eat at all. You know, go days where he just won't eat anything and stuff. And he's I guess they're like people if they're feeling a bit off, they're not gonna. Yeah, you know. yeah. He is very much. He's like a teenager. If you want to know what a Tibetan mastiff is like dealing with one he's like having a teenager because they they understand what you're telling them they're super smart um he understands exactly what you're telling them he just chooses or not if he's going to listen to you he's just sort of mm, Fair enough. Mm, i don't know i don't know and he's an escape artist as well he's like a raptor in jurassic park he's like he'll, just, he'll find a way like i've got barricades in my back garden because he he literally climbs. They can climb fences and things. They they will listen. Hey. Just go, shh, shh. Yeah, there's a there's an amazing video um on the Tibetan Master forums of one of them climbing up a six foot fence. Literally just going doom 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 doom. But kind of. You wouldn't think they were that sort of dogs, really. They could be quite nimble. Sort of they look they look kind of heavy, you know. They're, they're, they're like he's he's a heavy dog, but like he's super agile. Like he can jump right. very high for what you know because they're strong, and it's yeah. it, it's it's mad so he's just sort of you know he's broken through numerous barricades like and it's uh. it's funny though because like i went to the pub i just moved into this rented place for a bit um and i went to the pub with one of my neighbors and i left him in thinking right he's only he's only been there for a bit it'd be all right and like twi- you know 15 minutes later my mate just went buzz and he's standing in the middle of one of the busiest roads in the a6 of manchester with these cars just you know stood still and he's just standing there looking at them all just going what that i'm just like buzz and he sort of looks at me starts wagging his tail and runs over and the the entire traffic's just stopped i was like how did you get out and he literally just jumped over the fence and it was just like (sighs) mad and it's just like i'm in my old house we had this like um staircase and we sort of put one of these barriers up to sort of stop him going up the stairs but we all every time we got back he was upstairs and the barrier was untouched. And I was just like, how is he getting upstairs? And it's just like, <laughs> but he, he was literally either vaulting it or climbing up the banister and getting over. And I was just like, insane, super smart, but a massive pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they, they look cute, but they're hard work. Very much hard work. <laughs> um, yes. All right. So, um I think we'll leave it there. Um, it's it's been a super interesting um, conversation. Thank you very much for, it has. for joining Thank us. You. It's been like being able to like, no, it's been great. Being able to gauge every every part of my geeky body just <laughs> brilliant, really good. It's not very often I get the yammer yam about history as well. So <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Would you ever like? Would no, you ever think great. about Thank doing? You. Would you ever think about doing a history book or anything? Yeah, I would definitely. I uh, I love. That kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, got me, got me, yeah. Uh, one of my many swords. Oh, very so, nice. Uh, 
so yeah, whenever I write, you know, a fight scene, I kind of block it out literally. So I know, I know it's it, it works. So yeah, I would. The period would be a difficult one. I might. The period I know best is like uh, English Civil War period. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, 1640s, that kind of stuff. So that'd be like you know, roundheads that, and cavaliers. That's not something I actually um, haven't. Uh, I surprisingly don't know loads about. Um, I know enough to sort of get me through it, but you know, there's the, a lot of, of history out there, really. Yeah, the war, the, the you know, sort of the War of the Three Kingdoms and stuff, as they also, I think they call it as well, because it's like there's all kinds of other things going on. Um, I think it's more because there's a lot of sort of connotations with Cromwell in Ireland, and you know, yes. I, I tend to sort of steer away from Nor- you know history in Ireland because it's just a pain in the ass. Fair and, enough. Yeah, it's just sort of, yeah, it's Wentworth not, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not. It's not. The thing is, I'm very much of you read everything because you know history is history and that's just the way sure. it is and stuff but you know it's just you can't have uh you can't have a debate with somebody in in northern ireland especially about irish history uh without it getting nasty and stuff so i tend to just sort of steer away from it and stuff you know if you really want to have yeah. it, it's just one of those things unfortunately well i mean the 22 years my stepdad was uh you know, a, a, a Belfast boy from the Falls Road. So <laughs> consequently discussing discussions of history, um, you know, and he's he's with an English woman and, he, you know, previous to my mom, he was, he was married to an English woman. So, yeah, but, we, you know, we would have the most incredible debates about yeah. everything. It's good. I think it's, it's super it's, knowledgeable. It's but, really um, good. Like, I've one of my best friends is, um, he's, well, he lives in Man- uh, Manchester, um, but his sort of, He's from uh, Finnegy in, well, I'm going to get it wrong if it's East Belfast or West Belfast, but basically the Catholic side of it, of, of Belfast. Uh-huh. And um, I'm from sort of like, um, sort of, uh, my mum's Catholic, but sort of Oxford Catholic, you know, and my father is Protestant, so I was brought up Protestant. Um, and so we have this sort of kind of different view, but it's good art, it's good to be, it's not, it's not sort of, you know, hostile if you get what i mean it's very much a case of you can yeah. under the under it's 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 intellectual in that you can take points from them and understand it and it's very it's very good to make you a bit more of a rounded person instead of a one-sided fool like a lot of people back there are sometimes not everybody not everybody sometimes people <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's not it's not a world i know but i only know my only knowledge of it was from uh from brian so i did learn a lot about that and yeah. uh and it's quite amazing the different take. So I did the reenactment stuff, and you're yeah. learning about the English element, and then you hear this this whole the horror story from uh, the Irish perspective. That's the thing is, it's uh, just, I'm very much of the view that you know uh, history is is bastardized quite a lot for political gains oh, and stuff and, and you, you got a lot you know and the irish are very good at doing it and you know sort of switching things you know ignoring i think everybody is yeah. i don't think it's i don't think it's unique to any particular culture yeah. i think you know people always slant it towards their um to, to make their partic- the particular faction yeah. um look better you and know that's, as that's peter makes... said earlier his, uh, the victors history. write the history books yeah. That's, yeah. that's what makes it interesting is the gray area and yeah. that's what i love about sort of it is like I, I always read something and then I try and read the counterpoint to it. So you've got a rounded view on on history in general. And that's what sort of, you know, it gets me going. That's why I was like, oh, I love that. You know, it's like I didn't understand like the yeah. Spartans that I loved the Spartans growing up. And then I started reading about stuff, which was not anti-Spartan, but it sort of kind of, 
laid them out in a different light and it was good it just disavows you of the fantasy doesn't it yeah and it made you sort of have a more rounded view on them and it's like you could understand who they were and where they came from but you could also understand they were kind of shit some shitheads sometimes and you know this and that's it you know you understand instead of having this sort of kind of one-sided view and things and i always find myself doing that where people will say things and i might agree with them but i'll automatically go to the yeah but and sort of, kind of yeah i always do it yeah. and it's just like it's like i completely agree with what you're saying but you're 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 arguing it wrong <laughs> you're arguing it on a one-sided view and i'll automatically go to that automatic thing going, but you yeah. work in law as well you know law has to examine rigorously i mean yeah. i know that's not necessarily your particular um uh, forte you know your your area but you you're around that yeah. so you understand that in law you have to you have to be rigorous it was and same- you have to be uh neutral yeah well, well that, that, you know, that's you it can't. yeah it's the same so with that's history probably where you get a lot of your you know well it was the same with sort of learning you know when you did your military his- when i did my military history degree you you, you were very much sure told that you should look at things from both sides of the coin and you know you had sort of seminars and stuff where they would sit you down and they would make you argue a point that you disagreed with just so you could argue the points you know and there's some really sort oh, of like fighting talk defending defensible yeah and it, Sorry, yeah, Saturday that, morning radio. yeah well it's like they had sort of things where they sat people down and went you're the nazis and this is what happened and you're that you've got to argue this coin and the people they had like a they had uh, a black fella called dabs was doing it and they had this um there was a jewish fella called uh name uh, escapes me but they had them basically being the nazis and like this is what you believe this thing and they had the argue and it was so good just to sort of you could tell they for every every sort of kind of bone in their body they disagreed but they were arguing the case and it was amazing it was so good because it was just like you know you know it's maybe a bad example because it's very it's you can't really defend that side of things but it was good that you had to think about that other side of the proverbial coin and i i live my life by that now it's just like yeah you have to you have to you can't just have a one-sided view of things and that's why it annoys me when you get a lot of this sort of nationalistic propaganda sort of flying around it's just like yeah but it doesn't work like that especially if you understand your history is if you go far enough back everybody's a bit of a shithead and it's just sort of kind of how we are as people human as a species, yeah, we're kind we, of shit. We don't cover ourselves in glory. <laughs> yes, exactly. Often. That's it. That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Right. Anyway, because I could literally carry on on another podcast. Carry on. I could listen to you. <laughs> I could just sit and listen to you. Like, it's been fascinating. Thank you. I have learned. Well, we'll do a history special at some point in time. I'll be. I would you love should. To, yeah, I just love it. Spin off. Yeah, history spin special spin off. Matt yeah. Geary's history specials. <laughs> yeah, we would do. Oh, we could do. We did things where like you know we we're talking about where sayings come from you know like for you know you're oh, i love etymology yeah oh like use oh, your do loaf I love etymology. Do, you know, do you know where use your loaf comes from no go on tell me right so use your loaf is basically back in uh sort of napoleonic times when you had skirmishers who would uh run out in front of the the formations uh and sort of pop away at sort of um officers and other skirmishers and stuff and the way what they would do is they to figure out where the other sharpshooters are um they would shoot at the smoke and the the how they would sort of get them to shoot at them was they would use their loaf so they'd get the bread that they were used uh from their sort of rations and they would stick their shako on it stick it on the bayonet and throw it out 
the side of a um, the side of a tree or a wall or something, and whenever the sniper or the sort of sh- the skirmisher was shooting at the bread, the second man within the unit would shoot at the smoke. So it's like right. use your loaf. And that's Brilliant, where, and that's where you come from. Because that's a very northern phrase as well. Yeah, use your loaf. I think it's a is it is a northern one. Yeah, is that where you picked it from. And it's yeah. like you've got. No, I um, do like. I love that kind of stuff. We've got like loads of sort of. Uh, what's it? Uh, is it three? Your three square meals a day. Do you know where that comes from? Go on. There's a there's a there's another a, military one. Yeah, it's another military one. There's a there's a, there's a two for free on this one. So basically, um, in uh. Your sort of back in in naval times, your your meals had to sort of be sort of rationed, um, and so they'd have them on square plates. Um, so you would you could you could sort of set them on the table, and they wouldn't sort of kind of um, maximize space. So they'd have them on yeah. square plates. So it's your three square meals a day. So it was you know your breakfast, lunch, and your dinner. Um, and the the edge of the plate, the edge of that square was called the fiddle. So if you had too many rations and it hit the side, you were on the fiddle. Ah, brilliant. And that's so that, fabulous. Yeah, so that's where that comes from. That uh, is a good one. Yeah. My mother used to speak Norse. You know, like the Danelaw. Yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. tangent. Yeah. But she would say stuff like, frame this end. Or go down that snicket and see if dog da- dog's down there. <laughs> and Or don't go near them. They've got something. It's smitling. I always wondered what these things were. Fra- I knew frame yourself meant sort yourself out and yeah, yeah. get yourself organised. So I sent it off to an etymologist at the the university, Bradford University, and it turns out she was speaking Old Norse. Wow. And it's still, it's still part of the Yorkshire dialect now from when they were invaded yeah. by the, the Norsemen. Well, it's, it's, you so, know, English in general is is an interesting language because sort of people sort of think everything. it's it's a, it's a Latin language. It's not just a Germanic language with sort of French Germanic root. Yeah. Latin vocabulary. Yeah, and it's jammed just, together awkwardly. I remember sort of having an argument with somebody. There's like it's a Latin. I said it's not. It's Germanic. You know. You know. And it's just like we are a mongrel nation. As you know, completely when it comes to language. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just well, that's why it's worked universally. That's why it's the like lingua franca of <laughs> yeah. the world because you know it's 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 recognisable for a lot of different uh, speakers. I think. Possibly, I, I think, don't know. I just do dual. I just do Duolingo. What do I know? <laughs> Duolingo. I've tried that. So I, I, I know a little I bit it. of. I know a little bit of Portuguese, a little bit of Spanish. I'm, I'm trying to learn Polish for my, for my, my girlfriend. I'm feeling miserable because it's super oh, hard. Oh man, it's super Come hard. On. Is it really hard? Is it? Did they have a? Did they have a <laughs> She's giving me dirty looks now. She's sort of kind of looking at me. It's like really hard. It's like there's about a bazillion. You get like one word, and then the Polish equivalent, and there's about fifty versions of it. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> so she's giving me dirty looks now. She's just sort of kind of looking at me. So I know. You see, my 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 mum's best friend from from the old days married a a, a Polish airman. All right, who came wow. over in the. From the war, and he used to Uncle Michael. I knew him as, and he looked like Popeye, fight permanently in his. He must have been about three hundred years old, and he made music boxes. And every other word was bloody. So the all I I always thought all Polish people just said bloody. It's like ah oh, bloody kids always on the bloody street and on the bloody. It's just that was his thing. So I just assumed that everybody who was Polish said bloody a lot. <laughs> they're very they're very enough. they're very blunt. They they tell you what they think. There's no sort of sugarcoating things with a Polish with a Polish person. They literally just tell you how it is. <laughs> you just there was a big it. big Polish community where I grew up in Bradford. There was always the White Eagle. We used to D and D. We used to play D and D at the Polish club. 
Wow, okay. Um, White, White Eagles Polish Club, it was all, you know, from back, again, from the war sort of yeah. era. So there was, there was well, always, you could always get good cabanos and, uh, and um, yeah, play D&D. <laughs> she's just giving me the, she's just giving me that, Mike. Because <laughs> I'm talking about it. But yeah, just like I, you know, I've always been, had a, a deep respect for the Polish on the, on the back of history because Hell of, yes. of their sort of, you know, especially sort of during World War Two, um, and, you know, I, I learned a lot about it. And so I always had a sort of a, a respect for them. And so I get very annoyed when you get your sort of, you know, generic English racist or general racist who starts coming in and wants to, you know, he starts kicking off about them Poles coming over, taking our jobs, blah, 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 blah. World War Two, And I was like, yeah, those fuckers fought for you, you dicks. And it's... I, yeah, I've never encountered... Maybe I, I just move in better circles. I've never, I've never encountered that kind of... Um... I mean, I'm not saying I've never met a racist, but yeah, yeah but I've, uh, I, uh, it's not racist, it's a... xenophobia, isn't it really? I well, you know, just that kind of ignorance. Yeah, really. ignorance, um, that's it. Yeah. Life, life is too short for that kind of stuff. It is, Absolutely. it is very much is. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's again, I, you know, it's, it's, these are all really, again, a lot of fantasy writers, back, back to the fantasy writing thing, very briefly, you know, these are, these are places where, you take these experiences, you take these realities, and you 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 give them you use fantasy as a metaphor to explore and examine these things. You, you know, everything's a slave to the story, but I write a lot about uh, you know issues, uh, uh, nations, genders, races, all this kind of stuff, and um, in a fantasy context. And if people see that, I think I've failed. Mm-hmm. But if if people internalise, you know, there's layers it basically and i think that's why fantasy and genre stuff is really important because like from star trek right through to this day and um you know alpha flight and all this kind of stuff they, they tackle things before the mainstream so that's that's why what do you think we're of Disco- really good what do you think of discovery i've not seen it oh. i watched it i'm not i'm not a trekkie oh. so um I, I i have not watched it yeah i've been watching stuff like truth seekers and uh, I tend to err uh, towards the quirkier end of things. So okay. um, obviously Mandalorian truth seekers. Um, oh, that's the new Simon Pe- Swedish new... dicks. T- truth seekers the new Simon Pegg thing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost again. Yeah, yeah. So obviously Dynamite Duo. Yeah. Um, and it's really good. It's really good. Um, okay. I'll check that out. Yeah. Oh, I highly recommend it. Okay. Mm, cool. Right. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, yeah. I said we, we finished that and then 25 Sorry. minutes. My, no, no, it's my, it was my fault. Fully my fault because I was like, oh, let's talk about history a bit more. Let's go. It's great, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, I feel like, well, Joe Rogan's podcast just go on for four hours. And I was like, I don't think my missus would be too happy with my career. No, <laughs> I, think, I think my husband might be a bit, yeah. Like, <laughs> tapping the watch kind of deal. And it's a school night as well. It is yeah. a school night. Yeah, it is. Right. No, thanks for having us, guys. Really appreciate it. No, a- any time. So, uh, thank you very much. Is there anything uh, people need to know? Sort of like websites, where they go, anything. Uh, yeah, well, I'm on Facebook, uh, Katie Davis. Uh, I do have a website. I probably should visit it myself sometime. But <laughs> Facebook's the place to find me. Just got the Cat and Fisher book out, and uh, yeah, similar to media, we make videos. Some of them are funny. Um, I guess. Um, yeah, that's it. Really. Cool beans. Right. Well, uh, for tonight, uh, I've been Matt Geary. Uh, with me has been Peter Ray Allison. Stay safe, everyone. And our great guest, Katie Davies. Thanks, guys. See ya. See you later.